Last Wahlberg standing, Tim Burton has bigger fish and Chris Elliott's pipes are cool. This week on 3020. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010. Happy New Year! I don't make a big to-do out of New Year's. That's kind of a girl thing, JK. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't. And I, for the first year, I didn't do anything, but like at all, uh, didn't and didn't care at all. But it's huge news for 302010 because we get to start a brand new year. I don't know why our brains file films away in years, but I know my brain does. And it's almost like a genre unto itself. And like I said, 1994, I could not have been more excited. I'm a full-fledged movie fan hitting a blockbuster movie gallery, any rental store I can every single week. And man, I've seen like every one of these movies. So happy. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and the reports are false. I did not OD in heroin in the back of a car. That was John Goodman, no relation. What? He's fine. Okay. What? It's one of the movies we're going to talk okay. about. Oh, oh no, funny. yes. I Yes, I love that movie. Uh, because it's the beginning of the year, which means we have all the awards contenders, some of the best movies literally of the decade, and the worst and the trash worst. ever. <laughs> yeah, where this, the long known as the studio dumping ground. Some of these movies were screened for, in like two theaters in, in December and get a wide release now just to qualify. So it's very strange time. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and gosh, you're cute. Want to buy a monkey? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> God, I heard, certainly hope so. Uh, I Yes, I cannot wait to talk about that movie. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun episode. We don't know what we do. Why? Are you, this is too long an intro. What we do is look back at the pop culture past of 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Where we're recording right now is January 5th to the 11th, so we're going to look back at that week period in 1994, 2004, and 2014, I cannot believe I said that first try. You should see how long it, I slur that and get that wrong. Holy shit. I need to sign a check right now. I wonder if I can do it. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's begin as we... Oh, and it, again, huge thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. There was a bunch of video game apocalypse bonuses this year, and we just got up New Year's Day, uh, our... Adam from Paducan, our look at uh, Godzilla minus one slash. Why is this movie doing so well at the box office and every other movie doing so poorly? <laughs> it was a really fun. It's this, good. It's really good. There's I have a th- I, I, I don't want to weigh down the show, but I can't wait to tell you what my my takeaway is from all that. But if you want to know right now, patreon.com slash later time, give us five bucks, hundreds of movie commentaries. Videos, uh, po- hundred thousands of podcast, a thousand podcasts at this point. Who knows? Uh, five bucks, all we ask. Times are tough. We love you. Moving on. Nineteen ninety four. You ready? You ready? It's a new year. Uh, it's a new year, and already the trial of the century is here. It's crazy. This is the first thing to kick off nineteen ninety four because this is something synonymous with nineteen ninety four. January fifth to the eleventh, nineteen ninety four. Nancy Kerrigan is attacked with a pipe to the knee. Why? Why? Uh, all right. Comedians made fun of that so much. Let's play the clip, though. Yes. It's it's heartbreaking to actually watch. And I, I didn't see it for years. Why? 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 I don't know. It's some hard, hard black 
poor fucking girl. Jesus Christ. She not only has been assaulted, her career is in jeopardy. Her, unbelievable. Yeah. We're yeah, jerks. Canadians made fun of it so, so much. But this is a woman who literally worked her entire life for this goal. Yeah. And then some stranger, she has no idea what's going on, brutally attacks her, jeopardizing her life dream. Yeah. And she doesn't know at that moment if she's disabled for life, can't skate for life. She doesn't know any of that. All she knows is she has been incredibly painfully attacked. Have you ever, like, banged your shin? Oh, yeah. Now imagine yeah. a metal pop, uh, rod slamming into you full force. And yeah. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so horrible. But, it, it, like, this whole story becomes so ridiculous because she's about to go to the national championships. And then the Olympics are in February. She she's about to go, you know, live the dream. And some she has no idea who this person is, why they would do it. Someone just, sm you know, smashes her in the thigh with a collapsible <laughs> baton, runs away, uh, finds a locked door, smashes through the door, and runs away some more. And it's like, what the fuck was that? It, she's a fucking skater. It why? all it all why? seems why it all seems so unbelievable. And you know, I Tanya is a great way to shed a little light on this. I love that movie. It's <laughs> one of the best biopics ever made. It, it's really really good. But a, a part of that, the horrible life of a figure skater. Like you train your ass off, sacrifice everything. At best, you'll end up like doing skate shows on hockey rinks in the off season. Maybe you'll win it in the Olympics. There's not much to get out of it. And you sacrifice everything. It's not like football where you get like a multi-million dollar contract for years. It's just not much you can do. Yeah. You, you can get some endorsement deals. Maybe you can get on a Wheaties box. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There, your own there, skating there, rink. Exactly. Open up you, your you own become a coach. coach. Uh, Speaking yeah. on behalf of myself, 43 years old, there has never been two more famous figure skaters before or since. And no. I'm not sure there ever will be. I, I bet Dorothy there Hedmel, will never be. Peggy nope. Fleming. There, there's, nope. I know Diana's going to bring... There was that movie star. He, she became a movie star because he's very pretty. Oh, Sonia Henney? Yeah. yeah. Back but, when it was just but, like, oh, there's a pretty person with a talent. Let's make a bunch of movies about it. Being her. remembered by Diana does not make you more famous. <laughs> it's it almost the opposite. dead from natural causes because you're that old. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah, so this becomes the thing. And first, it's just this mystery of what the hell was that about? And it very, very quickly becomes a Coen Brothers movie. Because yeah. it turns oh. out these guys, the guy who'd done it was a friend of a guy. And he was hired by the ex-husband who is still with her main competition. And it becomes, I, I feel bad for Tanya Harding in a lot of ways. And I, Tanya, kind of underline those ways. And that Nancy Kerrigan was really positioned as being America's sweetheart. Yeah. And the Tanya Harding was white trash. trash. And, and yeah. Yeah. And she never helped that because she is pretty hard scrabble person. She's tough, man. They, it's, it wasn't that they didn't know each other is that they were constantly revolving around one another because yeah. they had to, they were in the same industry. It, it's just, it, it's such a crazy story. It's so fucking silly leads to the, my least favorite episode of Saturday night live in history. Uh, and then, and then uh, I think in addition to that kind of tabloid stuff, the next news story, the trial of Lorena Bobbitt, who cut off her husband's penis begins. And like JR said, we're, a lot of us are young and we're living this through monologues and SNL, but part of this is the rise of court TV and being mm -hmm. able to 
on your t- TV being able to get 24-7 coverage of this bat boy level nonsense. <laughs> like <laughs> this we might be able to pinpoint this week as the moment I became a truly killjoy feminist. <laughs> <laughs> because they really held up she's crazy, he is a victim, this poor man. He was beating and raping yep. her. Very bad guy. And he's yeah, the one who got the porn that, contract. That he gets, yeah, that that he got the I spit on your grave treatment. Mm-hmm. Not a shock. I wish it happened more. Yeah. And I just have it, if you've never seen it, the Andy Richter Conan sketch where he plays the guy who found the penis. <laughs> it hit me in the ear. Did, I mean, did I you feel any pain? That makes it funniest. That makes it funniest is the fact that she threw it out the car window yes. into a field and that it was found and reattached. That is the part that it becomes funny again. Yes. That it was that, like that, almost undone. And then he goes on to become a porn star. Yep. Well, what else are you going to do? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it's an easy, you know, hundred grand or something to just like, oh, you want me to fuck on camera? Okay, gross. Who would pay to see that? The comedians again make so much fun of this objectively horrible event: a woman being raped. Well, no, nobody knew those details at the time, but the people. Well, they did in the the when she as soon as she went to trial, that was brought up. Yeah, but so there, people did. There was know, months leading and, up to that was just a runaway just, penis story. It's <laughs> a horrible, horrible mutilation too. It is a, yeah. a horrible crime, but it is such late night fodder yeah. for the entire year. I mean, I, I swear you could you could probably make a one hour YouTube master compilation <laughs> of every time yeah. David Letterman made a Bobbit joke Ooh. and one hour is conservative. It's also a way they, they, they could constantly talk about dicks on network television mm-hmm. every single week, <laughs> every single day. Yeah. But these two things right next to each other and y'all we're counting down to the white Bronco. Yeah. Oh, it is God. in sight. And I remember having these two events in my mind because these were huge tabloids oh, fodder. Yeah. Just like tabloids and major uh, newspapers all covered it immensely. And then we got the white Bronco chase. And I remember thinking at the time, I didn't put in these words, but basically I was saying they should have an Avengers of sleazy <laughs> oh, no. tabloid stories. Oh, no. Where Tanya Harding, Lorena Bobbitt, and O.J. Simpson all get together for some... Thing. They kind of did the celebrity boxing tournament. I think Tanya oh, did kicked a little ass there. I, they, they, not... Oh right, Tanya Harding fought. Um, oh, what's her name? Who accused Bill Clinton? Korshak, right? uh, Linda no. Tripp. I don't know. I don't... No, I'm I'm blanking on her name. But I was oh, like, Jenny... I would never take. I would never take that fight. She's a professional athlete. Yeah. What are you? Thinking? I'm a secretary who got molested by a governor. And 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 I sort of want to apologize for. Michael yells in from the other room. Thank you, Paula Jones. Paula Jones. I sort of want to apologize for this taking up so much of the show, but this will take up so much of pop culture throughout this year. It will be all over the place. It will be unavoidable. These people will be household names, mm-hmm. and and yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, you know who I think is the real winner? Who? King Missile. <laughs> The guys who wrote Detachable Penis. Just, I, I got it. I have such a Pavl- Pavlovian response to it when we played it on the show. It's like, oh my God, I love this song so much. Oh, it's Why? so good. Why? It's so good. You probably love his Martin Scorsese song too. It's hard not to. I really do, fan. yes. See, and if if this was happening today, you know there'd be 
YouTube music videos mm-hmm. of Lorena Bobbitt against detachable penis, but I don't recall that in 1994. No, that I was, don't even recall late night. I think there. MTV did it subtly a couple times, like just putting because they would just use copyrighted music in the background of news stories and how can you know, doing retrospectives and whatnot. I remember MTV using it as a bed once. I know I do because some of this shit. It's like it's big news. Uh, we'll get to it, but I remember where I was and what I was doing for the thing JRT earlier, and I barely care about that. <laughs> but I just it was. It seems odd for that to be huge news, but I think pre-internet, this is cable finding ways to show us every pretty and ugly part of us all the time. And, and uh, it's the fill in time. It's mm-hmm. all about that fill in time. They yeah. hadn't figured out we could have five screaming heads on TV mm-hmm. somehow. We could just do that for hours at a time. We could read one no. news headline and then do a 20 minute bad podcast. That is still how <laughs> cable news operates today. One yeah. bit, one sentence of information, speculation by people who call themselves fellows and experts. Moving oh, God. on. I'm, ha- I'm having such a flashback to the Bronco. I'm not looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Oh. We're not going to talk about it once, Diana. I've already <laughs> put in the news events for 1994, and I couldn't help myself because each time, it's not yep. just one story that happened once. It drags on and on and on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, God. Well, let's switch we'll switch to the movies, which is usually our specialty. And this is a what a smattering of, of entertainment here. Uh, this is weird. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is still number one at the box office. Bounce back uh, late in the year uh, after November and becomes the second highest grossing movie of this year, I think. Uh, of 93. 93. Yeah. Of success. 93 releases. Let's go yeah. put it that way. Because, yes, it's going to be making money all through January and a little into February, I think. Yeah. Like, everyone wants to go see that again. Yeah. It's okay. And uh, one Don't of the biggest me. non-clamshells home videos I think almost everybody owned. Uh, mm. And then this week released in theaters, finally, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, Kid and Play, Kid in Play, Kid and Play, House Party 3 is a pajama jam? Is this pajama jam? <laughs> Finally, we are we are rounding out the trilogy. We find out how it all ends. Yes. Yeah, Chris Tucker's film debut, he is 22 years old. Wow. And he looks the same! <laughs> wow. He looks the same today! Yeah. How is this? I mean, I know Black Don't Crack, but holy crap! Yeah. I was stunned. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, have, I have not seen this in forever. I could, did not get around to it. But all of those movies bleed together. And we recently did a commentary on House Party 1. You can get it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash time with your exclusive shows. I believe then the, there is a fourth that went to video. Oh, there, there's, there's been the, several they, new ones. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the initial plan was like, well, no, the, yeah, the, you just, you're done at three. There like, was a, why? There was why a remake last year. Going? Uh, I know. <laughs> really? Yeah. I know. I'm yeah. old, yes. I mean, it's I it's kind of a... You could do the story forever, but it's, why not? I mean, obviously, someone throws a party, it goes crazy. Their wackiness ensues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. For, uh, Can't hardly wait. Did the same thing. Uh, fucking whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Can do it. You can do it all the time. So, let's get to something you could never make again. Why is this movie? Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk a little more about Melora Adams, Melora Walters, Brian Doyle Murray, Andy Richter. Speak of the devil. And motherfucking Chris Elliott in, I don't know what to even classify this movie as, Cabin Boy! From Touchstone Pictures, whenever people talk about the greatest legends, 
the mightiest adventurers, and the most courageous heroes. There's one name that never comes up. I'm at my wit's end. I can't take it. Chris Elliott. Okay, moron. You go stand in the bow and let us know when we're coming close to ice. Okay, you hit one. Cabin Boy. When I return, I shall be a cabin man. Rated PG-13. This fucking sure. movie. Woo. Surrealist fantasy. Mm -hmm. That's what this film is. It is not a genre we see a lot of because it is willing to go to nutso, cuckoo, cloud, happy, fun, wacko berg. Now, here's the thing. I I enjoy whimsy. And we will have some more whimsy this episode. I love Chris Elliott. I loved him back on Letterman even before Get a Life. And Get a Life is a wonderful show. This it's, is a you know, this is a great like get a life movie because yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if you like yeah. that you were prepared for some of the madness and non sequiturs that occur, right? Uh, but when, the I, the idea is that it's like you know it's like a very old school like fairy tale adventure story that takes place in a very indeterminate time because it, it's <laughs> it starts out where he is at a fancy school for fancy lads and they all wear powdered wigs and that was really fun the idea of fancy lad being a job. And you're like, okay, so this is like the 1700s. Then he gets into a car. Then he gets thrown out of the car. And then he has to go on like a three-masted sailing vessel. It's like, it's very, very, very vague. I can only call it The Adventures of Baron Munchausen by proxy. It it is an American Terry Gilliam movie. It wants to be so bad. It's a Tim Burton film without Tim Burton. Tim Burton was on track to be making this. And... For whatever reason, he didn't make it. And so Chris Elliott got shoved in there. And I don't actually think no, this th- should have been his first this, movie. This it is a, a great story here. We'll talk about the a movie Tim Burton did make later in the show. Tim it, Burton... It, with a, full of whimsy as well. Tim Burton saw Get a Life in approach Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick. And wow. the, the entire concept was Tim Burton's idea. That's why if you can read podcasts with Adam Resnick... This still causes him a lot of pain, and my it's my tribute to him as someone who very much appreciated this movie then and now. I'm going to highlight movies that are worse than Cabin Boy as we go through 1994 throughout the rest of the year. But uh, a ton of them, but this got shat on. Yes, throughout the entire year and beyond. I remember watching some cheesy sitcom. Uh, at the time, and the teenager sneaks out of the house and gets grounded for three weeks, and the punchline is all that for Cabin Boy. So and yeah, wah, yeah. Wah, that, wah, but wah. to get back to the history of it, Tim Burton concept he wants to make he wants to make a spiritual sequel to Pee Wee's Big Adventure and sees Chris Elliott as that character. Jesus right. Christ, that could have been amazing. Not that this isn't, but it isn't amazing in the right way. <laughs> uh, well, but like, there are a couple moments where this movie actually clicks. Tim Burton goes off I to make really Ed Wood, know. and that's all I want to say about the history. And then, and then he says to the studio, Adam Resnick, you should direct this because he went to film school. He had no interest in directing. Didn't want to. Had to be convinced. It doesn't look amateurish, but like tonally, <laughs> it's it's insane. Uh. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the thing that it absolutely compares to the most is is Baron Munchausen. That's mm-hmm. why I call it Baron Munchausen by proxy, and nobody laughed at my joke. Which I love, and well, you don't, or is that Sarah who fucking hated it? I like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Overall, it has a lot of problems, but oh, but generally positive more than negative. I think this one there's a couple 
moments that were really, really good that it's like, why can't the rest of the movie get this tone? I mean, first of all, you have a problem that your main character is completely unlikable because he's a fancy lad. Very intentionally unlikable. And has the worst voice. Yeah. It's like... He's so... <laughs> and I, also, this movie underlined, like, Tom Green has stolen a lot of Chris Elliott's mm-hmm. <laughs> They have a lot in common. Including making one but, of the worst movies ever made. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But... It, like there's a couple points where you know they're they're on a boat they have adventures they meet you know meet a a a shark man okay yeah which is a weird cameo there but you know they they it's supposed to be tall tale adventures and like there is one moment where yeah he goes up to meet Kali on this island and, and you know and she just fucks every sailor who comes by because she's <laughs> bored and then you see that her husband is a giant who's trying to open a furniture store or something. And he's dressed in this brown suit. It's Mike Starr. He's, yeah, yeah. Mike Starr. He's just a workaday guy who's trying to make this small business work, and he's so frustrated with his wife. And it's like this should have been so much of the tone of the movie. Yeah, the, the idea of the the average boring lives of mythical creatures. Well, That's hilarious. That, it is hilarious, but that would be a huge budget for a film like this. And okay? the, the, the film scene probably took up. 25, 30% of the entire film's budget. The film's, it's the film's some budget. Excellent Harry Housen uh, yeah. special effects. For like, it, oh, he, yeah. The film's budget was gutted when Tim Burton left. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was reduced by like, but to like 20% of what it was in the script. And it's fascinating to hear Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick talk because it hurts more than your average failure. Chris Elliott flat out was asked on a show like, now that everyone loves Cabin Boy, and you can debate that, what what do you what happened to what was your life like when the movie came out? He's like, it destroyed my career, literally, like ruined my yeah. movie career in one instance. And the way the way they talk about it, it's like this wasn't our idea. This was Tim came to us, mm-hmm. and then saw the movie Captain Courageous, and like let's do that. <laughs> and 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 we we wrote it for him for him to direct, and he abandoned us. Yeah, maybe it didn't come together that well or it's weird, but it was like it wasn't even ours to begin with. And then it became shorthand for the worst movie of the year, which is totally unfair. Unfair. (laughs) The DVD commentary for Cabin Boy is the most depressed commentary of all time. I'm not not being facetious there. I I have listened to 100, 200 commentaries in my life. None of them come close to the depression. Yeah. I mean, Aww. they give it a shot, but there's just like this sadness to their discussion. Oh, see, that makes me sad because last year we had Chris Elliott and Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. which is like, that's the kind of job he should have been doing for 30 years. He could yeah. easily be comic relief, the fourth or fifth build guy. He's got one funny scene. He does a couple bits. Yeah, that he could be a billionaire now. And Chris Elliott was so excited when this movie was coming out. I don't think he knew it was bomb. Let's let's mm-hmm. listen to him on David Letterman. It's early in the year, and uh, you know the Academy Awards are held in March. Right. And so this, uh, you know, the Academy is pretty much a fickle mistress. And, right. Uh, you know, when it comes around time for the Academy, she seems to forget her children born of January. Oh, well, we'll certainly keep our <laughs> fingers well, crossed. We're hoping. Yeah. Chris, he was... That has lived rent-free in my head for the last 30 years because I saw that live because I was super excited for this film. I loved Get a Life. I think this is my peak Starlog 
phantasmagora phase when I was just reading every geeky movie mm-hmm. magazine I could. And I was I like trying. reading about the making of this and excited that Get a Life was coming to the big screen, essentially. And flash forward 30 years later, when I'm watching this film, my wife walks in and she goes, what the hell's this? And I say, <laughs> it's from the people who made Get a Life. My wife was so much more disappointed in me for watching this than if I had been watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm... She hated Get a Life. She despised oh, that it's show. And it, we, we, it's uh, she. She was like, we would not have gotten along in high school. That show is correct. so weird and off-putting. I can totally, I can see <laughs> see why yeah. someone would think that. Totally. And 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 I'm glad you brought up Letterman because I think he is a bit to blame for the reputation because he went on 100%. air every night and in an act of self mockery would make fun of Cabin Boy and his cameo in it. But I like I'm putting a bunch of things together here in my head. I became a Letterman fan when my parent, my dad would drive me to school. They would play his top 10 list in the morning from the previous night on yeah, Z-Rock but- 106. And then I started watching Letterman. I was a fan of Letterman. Elliot had kind of already departed, but I love Get a Life because I love Letterman. That is why I watched the Oscars for the, I, the first time. Two years after this. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. He's still, he's still writing this movie. Yeah. And, 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 and he's part of the reason this became shorthand because he, it, it's not SNL. You did this almost every night for two years. You made fun of Cabin Boy. The movie your friend put... What is this? A crazy cameo. You'd never seen David Letterman in HD widescreen, and he gets to curse. It was awesome at the time. And Andy Richter's in the movie, too. I don't think I knew who he was yet. But um, I was there. I was a huge Conan fan from day one, and I was also excited for Andy Richter. And this is how you do a, a hula dance. So weird, so bizarre, just amazing. And it's it's one of those shitty situations. Another, another movie that deserves reappraisal and is in the hands of Disney. Actually, I do believe, I couldn't find this movie streaming anywhere, and I had a lot of technical problems trying to... I've seen it a billion times. I owned it on VHS on purpose. Um, <laughs> so you're the one. <laughs> I had do, Diana, I had a Cabin Boy poster in my room. For a long time. Okay. And well, we've established I you had a perfect the, world yeah, one for yeah, no reason. Perfect so. world poster. I came out of the theater because I think I may have seen this opening night. Oh loving it. I remember I was the right age, the right fan, and I came out going like, oh, that was pretty weird and bizarre. That was cool. And then the slams kept coming, and they didn't stop, and I was starting <laughs> to like question – do I just not have taste? Why Why is this film the one that gets shat on for years? I, I, I still think... I, I remember walking in the theater kind of disappointed because it does come down to a movie on a water stage that is 90% on a water stage and with some, some glimpses of real Terry Gilliam beauty. But I got it on VHS. I watched it all the time. Then I forgot about it for a few years. And I had to text a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time. hadn't heard from him in like 10 years up until this summer. When like, you did like a thesis for as a classical civilization. Like, yeah, he reintroduced me to Cabin Boy as a cult fan. And he wrote one of his final papers as a classical civilization's graduate level on how this is like the Odyssey. Uh, cabin boys the odyssey essentially (laughs) yeah exactly and that's if it were just really full-on a parody of the odyssey and each if every time they go somewhere or something happens 
a lot of the jokes just don't land. But yeah. when they do land, you see the potential. That's what pissed me off, I think, the most is like, I see the potential for a really fun, weird movie here. And instead, it's just sometimes fun and mostly just weird and like, where are the jokes? There are, where are the jokes? There's not a lot like it, though. And, uh, yeah. and I should say, I believe, I, I think Kino put out a special edition rich Blu-ray a few wow. years ago. I didn't find that out until like the last minute before we were recording. It's damn, well, times are tight, so I can't go buy in every fucking <laughs> special edition Blu-ray for every movie we watch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think Cabin Boy, most of us are past it. I'm not over it being a whipping boy during this period of 1994 because I never mm-hmm. thought it like this missed the mark for me a little bit, but not as much as you guys seem to think. What are you watching that's so much funnier than this? Get fucked. Uh, at least <laughs> well, it's ambitious. I'll give you that one. It's doing something different. It's mm-hmm. kind of how I felt about Freddy Got Fingered. I don't like it, but at least it's doing something different. And it did at least leave a mark. Yeah. People who would have never heard of Cabin Boy heard of Cabin Boy because of this. I mean, well, listen to all these famous people. They got to recite lines from Cabin Boy. Well, that's why I wanted to bring up the irony of Tim Burton leaving this to do Ed Wood. Because of some petty, snarky assholes called Ed Wood the worst director and Plan 9 the worst movie ever made, it's going to live forever. I'll probably watch both once a year. And I do. (laughs) Whereas I probably never would have had you not done that years ago. And they did it to Cabin Boy. We would have stopped talking about it. The same studio made Three Ninjas. Who talks about Three Ninjas? (laughs) Fuck me. Now I want a biopic on the making of Cabin Boy. I... If I swear, when he's Resnick has done a couple podcasts where he talks at length about it, he is genuinely traumatized and wanted to leave the industry. And 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 if you remember Chris Elliott, he said like it destroyed whatever I, my movie career was going to be. And if you remember, in one year, he's a cast member on SNL, which was the weirdest thing at the time I'd ever seen because you usually got unknowns in that, not very well known <laughs> and uh other than michael mckeon i had never seen that before and i couldn't name michael mckeon i knew him from short circuit 2 and spinal tap i didn't know his name but chris elliott yep. i knew does that mean that there that that's the only two generation snl family because his daughter's been on us yes uh i and in her first you, sketch she it, said fuck if you, and it was funny if you don't count the enormity of nepo babies and please don't destroy i think it's two-thirds mm-hmm. our, <laughs> our snl yeah. alum, their parents are Anyway, yeah. Can we run the the uh, the Oscar clip? Oh. Yes, the Oscars, which almost a billion people worldwide watch, and wow. Letterman hosted just the once. He hated it, and he didn't do a great job. Oprah, Ooman, yeah, and he and he he had a whole bit about his role in Cabin Boy. So I I thought Jr. put this in the chat, and it's like. I have thought about that once a year, and every time I've watched Cabin Boy, and I have never seen this since it's aired. It, that's rare that that happens, and I remembered everything beat by beat. It's a great. I, I think of this every time I see a sock monkey, and now I have sock monkey socks, so I'll think about it all the time. Would you oh, like we should set it up. Uh, uh, well, let's see if you can get, recognize these voices. I forget what the joke was leading into it, but that other actors tried out for David Letterman's cameo parts, where he's trying to sell a fancy ladder monkey, and I should, I should just say the actors out loud in case you don't get their names because. It's an incredible clip. All of these people kind of celebrating Cabin Boy. Would you like to buy a monkey? Jack Lemmon. Would you like to buy a monkey? You should know Martin Short. <laughs> I can do one bigger. Want to buy a donkey? Steve Martin. 
I'm confused. I, I thought I was playing the monkey. Albert Brooks. What's the matter? You don't like monkeys? Bob like Baldwin. Monkey. You like monkey? Tom Hanks. I'm not going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you one more time. You want to buy the monkey or not? Rosie O'Donnell. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I can do it in German or anything. <laughs> Madonna. I want you to buy this monkey. Could you clear my eye line, please? Danny DeVito. Could everybody get out of my eye line? Thank you. Everybody's in Danny DeVito's eye line. Uh, it's, there's even more in the clip. You should seek it out online. Uh, fun fact. This is the only other thing Adam Resnick ever directed. This clip. Ever. He wrote again, and his writing credits are astounding. Larry Sanders show, others I don't have pulled up right, <laughs> right now. Uh, but I, yeah, I love Get a Life, and I love Cabin Boy. I'm glad it exists, and I to this day want to punch anybody as a bad thing to say about it. I mean, just, just because it didn't deserve all the shit. It, sh it could have just failed and gone away. And All right, so the big question... Recommend? Yes. If you haven't seen it, it's so deliciously weird. No. No. Okay. It, everything, everything good about it, Baron Munchausen kind of already did better, so I would I would recommend that instead. Let's say... It also I'm, has a reputation of failure, so... I'll, yeah, be the I'll be the vote decider then. I'm going to say this is a light recommend yes. if oh. you're on something. Yes. Uh, Very good. That's why we go. rediscovered okay. it in college, and also if... Caveat: If you like to get a life, you are go. Yeah. You're likely going to like this. It's pretty neat. Okay. Oh my God, we cannot talk about every movie in this segment as long as we did about the biggest <laughs> failure of 1994. Because um, I think we just talked longer about Cabin Boy than Cabin Boy's runtime. Yeah, because it is incredibly <laughs> short. It's 80 minutes with credit. Boy, this should go oh. in our obituary. How little we're going to talk about the next movie compared to the Cabin Boy discussion. Uh, hunting S. Gore, uh, Hang jo Snore, Dr. Hang Snore, uh, Joan Chen, Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, Heap T. Lee. It's Heaven and Earth. From Academy Award winner Oliver Stone comes the third film in an extraordinary trilogy, Heaven and Earth. Larry King of CNN calls it magnificent, spellbinding. It lifts the human spirit. It soars. This is truly a great film. Tommy Lee Jones, Joan Chen, Hang Noor, and introducing Hepty Lee, Heaven and Earth. Heaven and Earth, uh, I saw 30 years ago and was very bored. And then I saw a clip from it later on, like, I should go back and watch. Oh, this is part of a trilogy? Too much work. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah, well, it's a part of a trilogy in that there's Platoon and there's Born on the Fourth of July. Mm. One is about being in Vietnam, one is about experience after Vietnam. And I really give Oliver Stone, I God, I hate saying this, Oliver Stone a fucking ton of credit mm -hmm. of realizing I have made two movies about this war and have not talked about what it was like to actually live there. Well, there is a fucking war going on. Mm. So uh, he adapts this woman's autobiography called When Heaven and Earth Change Places, and it's about her experience. She was uh, captured by the communists and tortured because they thought she was a spy. Then, uh, you know, she is precarious is a nice way of putting how ridiculously poor she is like she's working for a family as a maid and she has an affair and she gets pregnant and they kick her out and she's homeless with her baby then she meets a serviceman Tommy Lee Jones and, and she's still like a teenager too and, and you know she she meets a serviceman and uh, he takes her to America but also he's got PTSD he's got a lot of problems yes. and she has a lot to overcome 
So I really appreciate that he was like, yeah, let's do a movie about a woman yeah. and a Vietnamese woman and what it's like to live through a war. The problem is he still didn't quite get that. Mm. Uh, the movie feels really uneven because it turns out Tommy Lee Jones is actually playing like three different guys. They're <laughs> <laughs> combined turn. into one. <laughs> so when he changes suddenly, it's a little abrupt. But it's I, I yeah. kind of call it a, a noble failure. Like, I appreciate the intention. I appreciate the intention. It was really good to see the Vietnamese side to the Vietnam War. Yes. Um, the I mean, Vietnam War in America, in Vietnam, is just called the American War because they've actually oh. had wars after us. Uh, the Chinese tried to invade them, yeah. and uh, they've had other things besides us going on. So it's really important to see their point of view. There's a harsh but true joke about the vietnam war um south vietnam wanted a crony capitalist state north vietnam wanted a dictatorial united vietnam and the u.s wanted an anti-china vietnam and after a million deaths everyone got what they wanted yeah i would i'm I wish I should have prepped and had like a better movie f about the Vietnam War from the Vietnamese perspective to recommend instead I mean, of this. It's like there are so, there's a jillion stories waiting to be totally, told there. Totally. But we don't get many more of them lately. I would say the age of the Vietnam War film in America mm -hmm. has passed. I would say that it's far enough away in history and it's been utterly supplanted I, by anyone who wants to tell a story about Afghanistan. I will go for that type of war. Yeah. I am fascinated that you said that given what we'll be discussing in the final segment of the show, because yeah. that movie, I could not help thinking growing up watching Vietnam movies, how much different this is. <laughs> and, yeah. And the, yeah. I think we're kind of at the tail end here in 94, the tail end of, of the Vietnam movie. At least Oliver Stone is. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, we've got the Gulf War is uh, three years old at this point, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll have uh, the Afghan War starting in seven years. Let's so, talk about yeah. the, the, the undepressing wars, which we somehow have. <laughs> uh, and yep. then and then finally, uh, Charles Gatonga, Miana and Kevin Bacon in the air up there. January, folks. From Hollywood Pictures, Jimmy Dolan is traveling to the heart of Africa. I'm afraid you have missed the last bus. When was that? 1974. To find basketball's next superstar. But what he's discovered is a whole new ball game. Number one, new Bajakti. NBA. What'd you learn about that? Sports Illustrated. Swimsuit edition. The uh, there, uh, How fast news travels. How dare you colonize Cool Runnings? No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've probably seen this like 80 times in pieces throughout cable and just, I wasn't going to, no, no. Uh, uh, I mean, Cool yeah. Running had an idea. Cool Running had something. This is, you know. Hey, well, Cool Running, okay. like the Jamaican bobsled team had a lot riding against them. Kenyan basketball team, like, 
don't they win all the fast awards? Like they're going to be okay once they lock down their accuracy. Like this is not like, but yeah, that dude is six feet. I'm not too worried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there is more to playing basketball than yes. just being tall, and that's the only thing that brings him there. It's mm-hmm. not like he's playing against their national team and just dominating their national team. No, it's just like, okay, here's a tall dude. Obviously, he'll be great. Eh, doesn't really quite work like that. It sometimes does. I knew a guy in college, like, they paid him to not go to class for a year to save him for next season, but he wasn't good enough to put in the finals game, but you're very tall, and we always have places for tall people. One could argue this is the Shaq story, because... I can throw a, a free throw. You give me a day and a practice, a little practice time. I can hit a free throw. He can't, but he is a human wall <laughs> and fast. Sometimes that's what you need. You need, you need a human wall. Mm-hmm. He, he does that because he's gigantic. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the cast. A lot of real like Kenyans and people from Africa in this, and it's about a fictional tribe, so they're not being completely disrespectful they can just make stuff up about this tribe but yeah this is a personal preference yeah personal preference i'd rather non-fictional african tribes find an actual african tribe this is their customs whatever they are that's it we're being honest but these are their customs yeah that is by far what i would prefer but my second choice is make something up so you're not actually making shit up about a real tribe don't tell me, oh, all the Mandinka left to color their hair orange on Sundays. Like, no, they fucking don't. Leave the Mandinka out of this. Mm. Yeah. So, no, it's about, yeah, he's like a basketball scout and he sees this giant guy in, in you know, very rural tribal Africa and he's going to go teach him how to play basketball. And I guess the one thing I liked about this, I kind of wish more movies would do it. I'm surprised they haven't 30 years later is that the subtitles are in English and Spanish on screen at all times. They are? Huh. They were for me. I don't remember that, yeah. yeah. When when people are speaking uh, whatever the tribal language is, they did both. I'm like, oh, that was a surprise. Why not? Were you watching on like a Univision On Demand or something like that? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching Univision for New Year's. You know, I I like to jump between the various (laughs) celebrations, see, oh, what act is this now? I don't know who that is. Okay. Oh, well, but they're cool. Oh, yay. Nice. I was very disappointed in the director of Running Man after seeing this. So that's one of my oh, favorite movies. Oh, that's right. It starts, <laughs> it's Starsky or Hutch. I forget yeah. which one. Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the, uh, Starsky. He's Starsky. He's Starsky. The air up there. That's all we'll talk about. It's Cabin Boy gets the lion's share of the segment, and I have yeah, zero yeah. problem with it. Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, TV, 1994, the 5th through the 12th of January, 1994. Again, New Year, people. All the great TV shows air the first week of January. <laughs> uh, we have Birdland, which premieres. Bird, Bird. Let's have the clip explain it. Oh, boy. Birdland. Last week, millions watched ABC's newest hit series, featuring the star TV Guide calls TV's best actor, Brian Dennehy. Is this my night or what? He's a doctor trying hard to be a dad. Let's go! I think Ronnie has an illness. I know this is upsetting, but it's it's treatable. Brian Denny, Birdland, Wednesday. Oh, Birdland. Okay. Uh, I I miss actors who look like Brian Denny. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian Dennehy rules FX forever. Never saw a second of this, and I don't. Last from that premise, seven episodes. So oh. I'm not. He's surprised. a doctor. 
with kids. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brian Denny's great. That premise, at least the explainer could have been better. Burke's Law, however, I know just as little about, which aired 30 years ago this week. I just had to look this up like, wait, wasn't that a show in the 60s? Yes, it was. Oh, was it a remake? And then they brought it back Mm. in a different version about a a millionaire investigator. Uh, Great. Good. We can get on to the... But it it went two half seasons. So good for them. Okay, and then and then moving on to 1994, video games. Uh, the fifth through the twelfth of January. I just said it. Why am I stuttering? As Jr. has pointed out here, kind pretty much the final year of NES games. I don't know. The final year of official officially NES licensed, games yeah. is uh, 1994. You you can make your own today if you really want to, but if you want that Nintendo seal of quality. The last one is going to be given out on December of this year, it's 1994. Pretty so, nuts to think about. The Super Nintendo, has it been out for like three years in Japan? or two? It, It's been out since 91 in America. And yeah. and that the NES still has this much life in it. People are releasing things. The development cycle is not as long as it is now. So I don't know what any of the other excuses are why this is still happening but that's how powerful. That's how it, the what the install base of the NES was like. A lot of I remember big argument with my dad trying to get him to buy a new system. It won't play your old games. Why do you need a new one? You have this one with all the games. Uh, you're an idiot, yep. Dad. Still is huge, huge arguments at the time. Commercials about it, news stories about it. But mm-hmm. by 1994, the Switch had been made. Most people were fully on board the Super Nintendo or Genesis wagon, and that hurdle had been overcome. But other than the release in New York City mm-hmm. of the original uh, five games or whatever for the NES. Come the end of this year, 30, 20, and 10 will have covered the entire NES's lifespan. Wow. It's <laughs> uh, amazing. And uh, uh, it's also got a bunch of really special additions here for the NES. Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2. A great fucking game. It's good. You can find it on the, the Disney collection. Yeah, Disney Afternoon it's, Collection. It's a solid sequel. Adds almost nothing. You know, I no. played the original Chippendale rescue rangers with my son a little while ago and it was fun it held up but this one it's just more the same it's more the same with less choice but i didn't really love wasn't a huge fan of the choice in the game like because you could skip levels you had to skip levels entirely like why can't i just play the whole thing in one shot uh yeah and you can throw each other which i couldn't you do that in the first game it's hard to remember but I, i know i played this back i had this back then and I know my buddy sold it while I was out of town, and I'm still kind of mad at him. What, yeah. what I think is hilarious, Bonk's Adventure is out on NES. This I is mean, Bonk was the only reason to get that system, and now it's on an 8-bit version. And it's it's better. But beyond that, all I can think of, the way I felt when like the TurboGrafx-16's best exclusive is now on the NES, a less powerful system... That's how I feel when I see like <laughs> the Flash show up on Amazon Prime instead of Max. Like that <laughs> Max is floundering so hard. They're licensing out all their IP to other places right now. And that's essentially what was happening with uh shit, what is the company? NEC? What's the Turbo Graphics company? I totally forget, but yeah, almost given up on that console entirely and let's just get what we can out of the IP. Bonk baby, bonk. Never had a chance. Uh, music of 1994, 
January 5th to the 12th. Hero by Mariah Carey is still number one. We, we have some new releases like Heartwork by Carcass and uh, Get What You Deserve by Sodom. Who doesn't love a little oh, Sodom? Only, only the death metal bands come out this early. You think that'd be harder, <laughs> like harder to rouse after New Year's, but here we are. And mm-hmm. But thank God, on the charts this week, one of my favorite music videos of all time really made a man out of me. Shoop by Salt and Pepper. It's... That's- you just love them ogling men that turned you into a man? Those were like the hot... I, I never saw anybody like dress like that before. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a very sexual song. Almost oh, as much yeah. as Push It. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were, oh, just every one of them. So hotter than the last. And uh, yeah, it's on the charts this week. So let's close that with Shoop. And uh, we'll be right back. Until then, thank your mother for the butt like that. Uh, we'll be right back. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, here I go, here I go, here I go again, uh, girls. Yeah. What's my weakness? Yeah. Okay, then chillin', chillin', mindin' my business. Word. You saw I looked around and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stand, my niece, my witness. The brother had it going on with something kinda uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick it. I'm not shy, so I asked for the. Di- Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Because we both wanted to talk about this and the holidays got in the way, but Godzilla Minus One rocked both our worlds, did it not? Oh, dude, it, it's... I, I went into it assuming I would like it. Um, I did not go into it assuming it was going to probably be the best Godzilla movie ever. You're not wrong according to box office or critics. It is yeah, it's, pretty it's, it's doing pretty insane right now. And we're going to un- dig into more of that. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Coming into 2004 for the first time. Let it go. Milkshake by Kellis. It's number uh, three on the charts behind two Outcast songs. Wow. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> is number one, and I like the way you move is number two. Wow. Uh, That's craziness. Yes. And then uh, new releases, nothing as far as music goes this week. It's a dry spell for music at the beginning of January. But hey, we all got to get used to this new year. 2004, January 5th to the 11th. Little bit of uh, news. Jesus Christ, sorry, I shouldn't read it before I say it. Uh, I got a Ron Burgundy this shit. Uh, 2004 <laughs> news, first, second, second week of January, earliest known use of the Raffle Copter? How? Is, how? How? <laughs> it's that freaking old, I know. I love finding this stuff, of nailing down the dates as much as possible of, you know, when is the first I can has cheeseburger? But yes, Raffle Copter. <laughs> 2004, very beginning of 2004. Um, and then we also have uh, King song, singer-songwriter Ray Davies is shot in the leg while chasing a mugger in New York or New Jersey. Or New Orleans. Or New Orleans. I cut off was, at new, I was guessing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was in the French Quarter. And he, he had just, the week before, he was on the Queen's Christmas list. So he would just found out, I'm going to be a knight. I got fucking knighted. 
he has to do nightly shit. He has to interview. Save the day, (laughs) Avast G. (laughs) Wow, Um, wow, that's ridiculous. Damn the little brigand! Oh no! And what did what did he say after he gets shot? Did he say, "Ah, you really got me"? Oh. Uh, and it, <laughs> wow! Oh, sorry. I <laughs> it's based all over the punchline. Uh, so I could bring you stupid news. Uh, mm-hmm. Other stupid news, including remember how we talked about how news stories stuck around back. I'm surprised how short the news story of crocodile hunter Steve Irwin holding his infant baby while coaxing a crocodile up on its back legs to eat a chicken from his other hand. Uh, right. I thought. Always thought that was on his show. No, this is just a live appearance at a random zoo. So not even like <laughs> television safety precautions. And he got shit for what felt like a week. And unlike the Kerrigan Bobbit shit, everyone let it go relatively quickly. Like if any one person is going to do that, and we trust it to be him. It's not like he did it out in the wild. He did it at Australia That's true. Zoo. That's with true. With an alligator or a crocodile that he knew. And I've seen pictures uh, of his kid all grown up, possibly with Those the same are crocodile. So cute. I, I just mm-hmm. see them and it makes your heart melt. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yep. And, and then little, the, the last bit of news I saw, I just wanted to bring up to let you know how old it is. The iPod Mini is announced this week by Apple. It'll be out next month. And just, I don't react at all when somebody says iPod. Uh, and I never had one, but I just, I, I remember how ubiquitous they, they were. iPods have not been available for like over a decade. Like that is, but like people still say that every day I hear someone say iPod and they have podcast. Yep. Apple has not made those in, in over a decade, but, uh, two decades ago, you got a little one, four gigabytes, which now wouldn't be enough for your fucking operating system. And so wow so the ipod mini was my jam mm-hmm. i never got an ipod proper i always got the mini because for me it was a hundred percent an exercise uh thing yeah. just clip mm-hmm. it onto my shirt have the uh headphones on bust out some miles and you're good to go and it just it just made the whole ipod phenomenon seem like more of a fucking miracle <laughs> like this little usb size stick that just three years ago would have been a skipping discman and <laughs> pretty amazing. Uh, and then movies of 2004, January 5th to the 12th, the Lord of the Rings, the return of the King is still number one of the box office. Congratulations, JR. Uh, I know you were wishing that into existence. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm rooting for it for the rest of the year. I, I don't <laughs> care. I just want it to be number one for the rest of 2004. Well, and- it's, Right, yeah, I think next week actually it finally gets knocked down. Aww. It gets knocked to number two for like the next month. So, mm. all right, I'll take that as a win. Yeah, it's definitely a win. I mean, you're going to be very happy when the Oscars comes around. Jesus, yeah, <laughs> buck up. Uh, I I was incredibly happy when that came out, and we'll talk about yeah. that Oscar night in depth. That may be my personal longest Oscar discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen that I did not care to watch again, even though I own it. Uh, Ron Ellard, uh, Shorey Hagdashlo, sure. Ben Kingsley mm-hmm. and Jennifer Connelly, Connelly, uh, House of Sand and Fog. 
Yeah, this was a movie I really liked and I wanted to rewatch and I I couldn't because obviously I had to go watch Michael Clayton again because R.I.P. Tom Wilkinson, God damn it. Yeah, that's a bummer. How yeah. is HBO even going to make movies anymore without Tom Wilkinson? I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of, of guys who look like Brian Dennehy but could also do comedy. <laughs> anyway, uh, House of Sand and Fog uh, adapted from the book that was very popular and it's about my neck of the woods. It's about people who live not just in the Bay Area, but in the incredibly gray part of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jennifer Connelly is a recovering addict. Her ex-husband owed taxes on the house. She loses the house. It's bought by Ben Kingsley's family, who are uh, immigrants from Iran. They've got their own issues. She's got their own issues. And it's just this back and forth of her trying to get... She wants this house back. Mm-hmm. But she's got so many problems. It's like so many things come up in this. Like, you know, the yeah. the idea of recovery and baggage and making amends and divorce, gentrification, know, uh, gentrification, you know, immigrant story. Are they yeah. going to flip this house? Racism comes up. The family dynamics come up. It, and it's it's freaking great. Yes, it is yeah. wicked depressing, but ri- ridiculously good performances all around especially Shoreag Dashlu mm-hmm. who she uh she is a Persian actress she came over to the U.S. and pretty much only got terrorist roles <laughs> and she just went and did stage for 20 years and this is like her comeback and she just everyone goes who the fuck is that and oh my god that voice is incredible mm-hmm. and now you hear her, she pops up all over the place um I think she's in the new Assassin's Creed maybe I don't know <laughs> yep Michael says yes because her voice is rad and it's cool to listen to oh her. oh yeah definitely yeah sorry i play i played that whole thing yes he's definitely in it have either of you had a deep emotional attachment to a house no not this deep no no, no. i bought the house i grew up in yeah that's right wow and bullshit that was a- <laughs> <laughs> just kidding mm. and that was a whole thing and i bought it because it had been not taken care of for about 15 years. And it was in the worst condition ever. And every single year for the uh, 15 years I owned it, I had to drop like 10,000 this year, 20,000 the next year, 10,000 the next year, 8,000. Oh, what a great year. I only spent $8,000 repairing this piece of crap. Mm. And by the time we moved away from my wife's job, I I was, okay, I'm going to have to sell this house. And gosh, if I ever get rich enough, would I ever want to buy this house back? No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> every every like deep-seated emotion that I had toward that house got washed away in all the upkeep. And that's the film I'd like to see. I'd like to see this person who has like this deep emotional attachment to the house and have it just get ground down by all the repair work they have to do. Yeah, they must have <laughs> must have good blackmail on a handyman because yeah, like uh, oh yeah, apartment yeah. Life, I maybe. I feel bad that I didn't rewatch it, so I don't know the numbers that they're throwing around about what the house is worth because mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's ten times as much. Yep. Now. <laughs> oh God, yes. Just like everywhere. Uh, Sorry, Gen Z. Area. Um, yeah. Oof. Yeah, no, Sand Fog, big. It's a big recommend. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I can easily recommend it because I I've seen it twice, but it's it's heavy. Um, yeah. The opposite of heavy extremely fluffy <laughs> light uh fun times yeah danny devito steve buscemi marion coltyard allison Lohman, hello bottom carter jessica link billy what up from billy crudup and uh 
My friend says that to this day. Albert Finney uh, and Ewan McGregor in Big Fish. Big Fish. For every father with a story to tell. Which one's it going to be? The one about the witch. For every child. Bravo Company, go! Who had a hero to believe in. Comes a movie that critics are calling Tim Burton's masterpiece. It's breathtaking, <laughs> unforgettable, a perfect film. Been nominated for four Golden Globes, including Best Picture of the Year. Big, Big Fish, fish. rated PG thirteen. Oh, he, here's why I could believe that quote about the critics. Mm-hmm. I think this is the least Tim Burtony Tim Burton movie of all time. Yes, and I yeah I both have and don't have a huge problem with that because I didn't love this when it came out as a huge Tim Burton fan who was on the opposite of a role coming off Planet of the Apes. I Just looking at it, this is one of three original concepts Tim Burton made in the last four, since Ed Wood. Everything else has been a riff. Original content. And it, this is based on a book, but I'm saying everything else has been a riff on a pre-existing story, a Tim Burtonified version of Sleepy Hollow. There's Corpse wow. Bride, Mrs. Peregrew, and this. Allison Wonder, he remade his own movie with Frankenweenie. So having something original, holy shit, it's back. And it was very Forrest Gumpy. And I had it on DVD because I bought it and I didn't like it then. And I put it on now. I'm like, I should see this movie deserves to be seen in higher definition. I paid for it despite holding the case in my hand. And I once again did not care for this movie. And I worry I'm too harsh on things that I have to watch for work because like, Thinking back on Walter Mitty, why was I so mean to that film? But I remember how I felt, and I felt a lot like that here. This is this is Rockwellian kitsch that I that people who don't like this kind of content think other people who do like it will. And it seemed made by a I my criticism that I was writing down. It looked like it was made by a bored person, and that's usually not what Tim Burton's movies look like. And then I read he, he wanted to stay away from digital effects ballsy move at this point if you're known as an effects guy but a uh, big fish a tall tale about a man a man trying to get to know his father on his deathbed played by albert finney when he's old and uh ewan mcgregor when he's young Sh- really pissed to learn that it was supposed to be jack nicholson in both roles de-aged <laughs> that would have been amazing Ooh, that would have been amazing de with 2004 tech i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. spielberg was attached to this he he and burton consulted with Nicholson on it. Uh, yeah. yeah it, that is interesting that it feels much more like a Spielberg movie than mm-hmm. a Tim Burton movie. Cause it is, it is, it is fun that we are talking about this so close to Walter Mitty because mm-hmm. they definitely have a lot in common. Um, twee. Yeah. They're very twee. They're sort of uh, a, a episodic adventure where they're going here, they're going there. And, and, and that's how yeah. the book is like it, it is written like Pinocchio. It's, it's episode by episode. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, uh, you, Ewan McGregor is a young man was to like go off and seek his fortune and he like falls in love with a girl and it's all about him trying to get the girl and he's he's has an adventure in a circus and he has an adventure over here and he sees a woman who's actually a fish and he goes to a town that's magical and it's it's very charming it is like aggressively charming and yeah. cute and it's based you know again tall tales we have a theme going a father who spins yarns and but a son doesn't feel like he's really got to know him because they're all lies or are they yeah yeah and, and it's like I, I i don't know if i agree with the ending so much the idea that it's like 
No, take his stories at face value. Whatever, man. Like, Anything yeah. can be the truth. <laughs> right. It's like, but yeah, the point is that he doesn't feel like he knows his father because his father's stories are so ridiculous. Yeah. But some of them turned out maybe they're true. So should you just, yeah, embrace the romantic fantasy instead of living a, an authentic life? Another theme we are going to get to later. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I had to text some people I know like, you remember seeing this? Yeah. Did it suck? Because I'm leaning towards suck, but uh, I wasn't. I just wasn't that entertained. Definitely can't call it a recommend. Which again is a huge bummer. I, I, I yeah, having to th- talk to my friends about it. Like Tim Burton was my, like kind of one of my first favorite directors. I saw Pee Wee Herman when I was five, and he went into Beetlejuice, into Edward Scissorhands, into Batman. What a fucking role! I'll watch anything this guy does forever, and he's been a disappointing person to be a fan of for longer than he has been exciting to be a fan of yeah look his his 90s his run through late 80s early 90s is incredible and yeah planet of the apes in 2001 is definitely the point where it's like okay there's a problem this this is one of the ones since then i think worth watching you know up up but uh yeah okay i'll put it you know it's the it's in the worth watching corpse bride frank and weenie uh big eyes there's splits on that, but I Excuse like me. it. It's Tim Burton's talk. best movie. We are going to talk about this year. We are different segment. by far. I think his absolute masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think that critic was an, an idiot to say that Pink <laughs> Fish is a masterpiece yes. for Tim Burton because it is so un-Tim Burton-y. But this is also kind of fun to see him do something a little bit different. It's it's got the weirdness, but it's a different kind of weirdness. And it's th- a charming weirdness. This- I mean, overall, it's a light recommend for me. It's because, again, it's kind of different. It's worth seeing. And some of the stuff that's put on screen, like, is just really neat to look at. I love the giant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that to make these to practical effects that make these two twins look like Siamese twins when they're really just messed up against each other's so- It's really interesting effect. And uh, I, I had it as a mark against it. It's not fair. Second time, Tim Burton's cast Danny DeVito as a ringmaster. <laughs> nobody saw dumbo it's okay yeah well also i i think the casting of ewan mcgregor as a young albert finney is nailing it and allison loman and jessica lang could totally be the same person I, at different times it's kind of creepy i that's when i started to research is like is that jessica lang because i don't know allison loman like what would i know her from something else but like they look very similar <laughs> it's a pretty like, decent performance solid casting yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah, overall, uh, recommend. It's cu- it is cute, cute in a weird way. Cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, but then. Well, I think it's tackling an interesting question of can mm. you tell the truth while not telling the truth? And as a storyteller, mm-hmm. I actually think you absolutely can. As long as people are with you on the ride, I think you can be like, oh, yeah, this one time I. Uh, did this incredible thing that never happened uh, as long as they know that it never happened. Now, everything I say actually happened for the record. (laughs) I am not a teller of tall tales, but I do have someone in my life who does like to tell tall tales. mm -hmm. And I know that's the case. So I don't mind it. There's sort of the idea of you can embellish something, but like the essential truths are there but you're making them more fanciful and romantic. Like they, they tells a story about a car falls on the tree and the maple syrup gets all over the car and the flies all land in it. And then they fly away with the car. <laughs> well, yeah. some of that's true. <laughs> right. 
Well, but it's also, I think, part of the art of storytelling. Yeah. Because we've all been there with some guy who's being like, and then I was waiting for the bus, and the bus was blue. Wait a minute. No, no the bus was red. Or was it blue? And you're just like, it doesn't matter. Make it up. <laughs> make, just, make it up. I won't challenge you on what color the bus was unless it's integral to the story, and it's not. Just last week, my dad was telling a story about how when I first got suspended from school, and like my son was saw someone getting hit, and he intervened in the fight, and I kind of pinched my lady friend. I'm like, this is not what happened. Uh, <laughs> but I, I am totally happy for him to keep thinking that. I totally hit that kid. Uh, I will tell you what really happened if you want to hear what... Re- I told her that later in the car. If you want... Th- that is not what happened at all. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, and she's like, no, nah, it's okay. I'm like, thank God. I don't have to tell you what an asshole I actually was. In this. <laughs> so, yes, she and my dad get to believe the tall tale my dad was spinning about me. Unbelievable. So I get, I get sort of what this movie's going for, but it's still fucking old people fuel. Like... <laughs> It has it has like a Reader's Digest vibe to it that I just don't didn't hmm. dig that much. But again, you, it's, just, you really hate whimsy. That's I what I'm learning. I don't. You hate whimsy. I don't. Uh, there's That's just, okay. I usually do. So you know. uh, I don't. But I don't have anything better to say about the next two movies. Uh, Mark no, Harmon, Carolyn Goodall, Annabelle Sciorra, Jeremy Piven, Matthew Good, and Mandy Moore in Chasing Liberty. When your dad is the leader of the free world. When I get to Prague, I will fulfill all my diplomatic obligations. Life is all work and no play. I've been smiling so much my teeth are sunburned. This year. Don't I deserve one night of freedom? Liberty's gone AWOL. Anna Foster is about to declare her independence. Why can't Anna just do what I tell her to do like the British? Mandy Moore, Chasing Liberty. I want to find passion. Sorry about that, we're just looking for passion. Rated uh, Chasing Liberty. I get it confused with the 11 other first daughter movies I feel like I've seen. Yeah, there was just one last year yeah. with um there's a lot. Yeah, there's there's another one that we just had. Well, that one was controversial cuz she's doing the peace sign and cuz the Iraq war was just starting and they thought that was a thing. Uh this one is a lot less controversial even though that joke about why won't he do like do what I say like the British do is kind of a topical joke at the time mm-hmm. tony blair you spineless piece of shit <laughs> it's cute it's fine it, it's basically roman holiday remade which i'm okay with because roman holiday is one of the most charming movies fucking ever about yeah someone who's very sheltered and then she uh, goes off on a wacky adventure around a bunch of european landmarks and she's got a guy with her who <laughs> is not she thinks is just a guy but he's actually like he turns out he's a secret service agent. She's not actually as free as she thinks. And he might have ulterior motives, but then it turns out they're in love. Kiss, kiss. We love everything. Great. Uh, it's fine. All the reviews were sort of, I mean, most of them were just like, who gives a shit? And then a couple of them were like, fuck, it charmed me. And I'm mad about it. <laughs> but 18% on Rotten Tomatoes is not, uh, it's not great. And also not for me this week. John Amos. Oh. Love my John Amos. Uh, Method I am, Man. I'm mad about this movie. Michael Imperioli, <laughs> Anthony Anderson, and Eddie Griffin in My Baby's Daddy. We're pregnant. What the hell? On January 9th, these three guys are going from players <laughs> oh, God, it's in my eye! to playtime. Eddie Griffin, Anthony Anderson, Michael Imperioli, and Method Man. Want to go cheese sandwich, man? 
baby's dad. Uh, how you doing, Tupac? Can you believe it? Men with children. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's what's the what's I I didn't I wasn't gonna get to this, but what's the premise here? That just well, I, look. that's that's the premise that they're they're idiot men who all knock up the ladies in their life, and now they have to deal with babies, and they, their lives have changed. Oh no, who could have foreseen this? And and. Yeah, it, I think there's got to... I don't mean to argue against the idea that, like, movies shouldn't tell universal stories and cast comedic people to make elaborate scenarios out of something as simple as fatherhood. But, uh, yeah, most people didn't want to go see this, so I don't really... I don't really need, I don't need to back off so, of that exactly. What's up, JR? You, uh, you I didn't watch it. <laughs> I couldn't find the time. But, you know... Having a baby is literally a life-changing event for almost everyone. So I, I think that's absolutely something. You can have people who are eager to have a baby, thousands of dollars to get artificial insemination to get a baby, read every book in the world and get a baby, and then the baby comes and they're like, what the fuck? You're still going to get I mean, pee in that your mouth, a, man. You... That is a thing that happens. So I absolutely think it's a great topic for film or television. It just didn't seem like this was a good story so that it's trying to tell. Check it out. Now I, where you are in fatherhood, would it be convenient if all of your best friends had babies at the same time? Because with the hindsight, well, a lot of my friends with kids like those end up becoming their best friends because they're doing the same things together. You have a babysitter yes, forever. Yes, you get friendships based on proximity and age my best friend growing up was my best friend because his dad was my dad's best friend yeah so he just always came over yeah. and that's that's how it worked uh, so absolutely if my friends had babies at the exact same time of me it would have been great because they would have had to gone through everything i had to go yeah. through and there's definitely a huge culture divide between those with babies and those who don't have babies and a lot of times the people without babies do not understand at a fundamental level what it's like to be a parent or the amount of responsibilities. It's like, hey, we should get together. How about uh, tomorrow? Do you have any idea how much notice you have to give me when I've got a screaming little infant that needs 24-7 care? It's, yeah. it's not a maybe tomorrow. That was thing. my only note on it, like with that notion like how lucky would you have to be if all of your best friends had a baby the same age at the same time like right. it'd be amazing hey i gotta go somewhere for half an hour yeah watch my baby yep well i'm gonna have Put a barbecue your baby. bring everybody they all know each other they all grew up together they're all teething at the same time uh outside the first two years i think it'd be an amazing experience to have all your friends have babies the same age shut I, up I, movie I, just, <laughs> I am so stunned that this is directed by cheryl durier who is uh, kind of an important figure when it comes to black queer cinema. Mm -hmm. She made the watermelon woman, which uh. Uh, just got restored and re-released. And it's about, yeah, how uh, black women, especially lesbians are ignored in film. I don't know how the fuck she got attached to this or why she said yes, except maybe for money. Uh, that's, I don't know. Uh, that's, what the fuck? What else could it be? <laughs> I, uh, what else could it be? This is probably just a script at the top of the pile. Someone's got to do it. And we're not giving you a watermelon woman to make. So go f 
how about this uh, mostly black baby's daddy yeah. comedy? But I don't know, like, how does she get on the short list to even talk to? I mean, maybe there's someone there's like, I really appreciate her work and she needs some cash money so she can make artistic stuff. Uh, oh. No, no. And it's the highest grossing of the new movies. That is insane. <laughs> it also fails uh, pretty badly. That yeah, it, it, most of these movies we're talking about, uh, they bump. Yeah. Yes. Because um, they're January, because yep. the yes. Academy forgets its children of January. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep saying that too. And Amy Sedaris is in this. What the hell? And oh, no. uh, why don't we keep talking about my baby's daddy? I don't want to go to TV at all, but we must. It's who knew one show would shape the world around us <laughs> for the next this years. Mark is the most important television show yeah. of the decade yeah there is not a single television show that has had more impact in all of 2000 to 2009 than what we're about to talk about ladies and gentlemen tv 2004 the 5th to the 12th of january our big debut is the apprentice if you didn't understand our trepidation i know you guys are big donald trump fans i have my issues <laughs> And uh, <laughs> no, well, on, how do we get around that? Where I don't we, like you Don can't you can't because the entire premise of the show is, hey, look at Donald Trump. He's an expert. His decisions are awesome. Remember, remember when he took ivermectin and uh, said it, it said it didn't give him COVID, and then he got it anyway. And the, mm -hmm. the, he no, I remember when he asked if maybe we could get sunlight into people's lungs. Remember he looked at that for eclipse? Like a cleaning? <laughs> Amazing and man all. that you definitely want green lighting stuff. And I think the story was at the time, like, he was famous for being a billionaire, being being the past tense. Like, he was not doing very well. His brand was shit. Most people in the contracting business knew not to work with him. And most people knew not to give him loans. And Mark Burnett, pulled him out of that and like when you wonder we have had loudmouth conservatives before but no one was going to say ted nugent you should be our pre our presidential candidate through the apprentice donald trump got introduced into way more people's homes and i think for people like me i who never watched the show i was genu genuinely baffled why he had so much media cachet a media cred to spend because i i totally didn't know at the time how important the apprentice was when you watch NBC's Upfronts, it's like one of its highest rated shows. It costs nothing. Enough, yeah. The only other fascinating thing about this is that no one remembers the non-celebrity Apprentice stuff, or at least they don't talk about it because you can't remember those people's names other than Omarosa. But yeah. th this is the non-celebrity Apprentice, which was about half its runtime. And because now, holy shit, why did I just read today Donald Trump sh shit in diapers on the set of The Apprentice and they're keeping, there's NDAs about that. This TV show that I never watched and have no interest in watching for reasons beyond who's in it, I have to think about every day because of where I end up reading about it. The Apprentice is kind of why you have Donald Trump as president. There, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, through the 80s and 90s, we keep hitting media where he is synonymous with a rich person mm -hmm. or a famous rich person. And well, again, uh, you could have like an hour long clip of Donald Trump being referenced in movies and television shows from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And just watching Moonstruck. 2010s. His name Mars Moonstruck, goddammit. Yeah, just <laughs> is the idea of, you know, a, a mogul of mm -hmm. some kind. That's, yeah. he's, yeah, he's very rich, he's powerful, he's got his fingers in lots of pies. He's, he's a fancy business guy. 
but yeah, he's been like a couple bankruptcies at this point. Yep. And uh, yeah, so obviously, as we have learned very, very intensely in the media, mm. still does not learn to this day. Uh, he is a malignant narcissist, and he only wants attention. That's yeah. all he cares about. Shameless. He the, wants the most attention. Shameless. So, of course, he's going to do this more than some other business type guy is going to do this because he likes having a brand. He's the, always does it because he puts a stupid name everywhere. The most shameless self-promoter who's had no consequences of any kind that the average person would face, thinks the cushioning of his family's wealth. Yep. And just the last thing I'll say about Donald Trump. He ever who in America <laughs> there's no reason he'll ever have to be brought up in the 90s segment the 2000s <laughs> segment or the 2010 segment again nothing never uh, I, I think he's a bigot and a liar that is that is all but but like if you like him all he does is get up on stage and complain about everything what person in America has America been kinder to <laughs> than Donald mm. Trump you have lived in lived a consequence-free clouded gold plated existence uh, of zero consequences of any kind and they, they still aren't any consequences for you what do you have to complain about but what yep. oh my god anywho the media the it's very unfair they're terrible <laughs> oh. they're awful as opposed to him his magnificent buildings beautiful buildings yeah it's one of those things where it's like okay i understand if you you agree with Donald Trump because he makes everyone you don't like angry. Yes. I have real hard time just listening to him talk. He sounds insane. <laughs> because of the, yeah, the little fragment sentences and the fact that he has like 16 words in his entire vocabulary. So everything Tremendous is, you know, words. beautiful and magnificent. And everything bad is, you know, disgusting and horrible. Like a and dog, Diana. Like a dog. Like a, like a dog. <laughs> and the guy came up to him crying. He's a big guy and he never cries. And he said, sir. <laughs> I never cry, but I'm crying for you because your sing-songy voice. Yeah, and and, and, and I, again, I don't want to take it over with all politics. I don't want to see a person like Donald Trump exist because usually there are political consequences were a politician to behave in the way he does. It is the apprentice that gives him the power to do this because he, he has been in so many living rooms through this I guess beloved show. I'm gonna guess none of us watch this because it's not up our alley at all. I've, I've seen one or two episodes just accidentally, so I I understand what the format of the show is. You know, they, there's all these yeah. people. They go in a boardroom. They're given some sort of challenge. You have to sell this many blanks down on. You go on the street and you have to come it up with a pitch for this thing. Okay. So As dull. So search for this episode. I watched the entire first season of The Apprentice. No, what? Cut down into ten minutes. There's a YouTube clip, wow. which takes all of season one. And I watched it. And I was like, I believe you. I believe you left nothing of important <laughs> of this entire season out and mm -hmm. everything important in those 10 minutes. Yep. Oh, oh my God. <sighs> <sighs> Depressing, right? A future president. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's stop. Let's stop voting for celebrities. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not working. Because I don't think you, no other politician will have the apprentice to familiarize themselves with the American public the way Donald Trump did. And I, I, I totally discounted I, that. So I disagree. I think off in the future, there is going to be some more bullshit like that. And that is how we end up with the single most qualified candidate in the history of running for president defeated by the single least qualified. He had never held a government job. Yeah. 
Never. Yeah. And because uh, guess what? Not the country. One. Not even a ceremonial one. The country's not a business and you weren't even good at business. So no. <laughs> uh, anyway. I hope he dies in prison. If anyway. You're, if you're like me, this will be your smelling salt. Sonic, 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 Sonic the Hedgehog. What? 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 Oh, fun pop culture again. Sonic <sighs> Battle is out on GBA, a game I know nothing about. Sonic Battle? Uh, Sonic Battle is out for... Are various Sonics battling each other? Uh, there's been another yeah, Sonic... Yeah, you fight in a 3D arena. Well, Use, there you go. Uh, the B button to attack and heavy button to attack. And each player has two vital stats, health and then Ichikoro gauge. Chili dogs. Gauge. Oh. Uh, what? Ichikoro? Ichikoro gauge. And what's... That's not me... Saying that, that's what I'm reading on the, <laughs> the Wikipedia page. All right, you take your itchy Corey Feldman and try and beat up my tails. It's never going to happen. So <laughs> let's close out this wonderful segment with uh, a wonderful song. It's My Life by No Doubt and not Bon Jovi. Because... We have done this show so long that we played the Bon Jovi one when yeah. it came out. Yeah, but this is the better <laughs> one. Um, I don't think so. I think they're both good, though. So this is the cover, though, right? Um, yes. This is the cover... But it's a great version. No doubt it's my life. Taking us out. Stay tuned. We got one more segment. You're not going to want to miss it. Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of January 5th through 11th, oh my yes, we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about because it's the new year and a bunch of stuff went into the public domain. And I want to point out the good stuff. The first, obviously the big news is that they kept pushing back the date on when things would become public domain over and over and over. Well, a lot of it was because of Disney, pushing really hard to keep Mickey Mouse Disney property. The big story, yes, is Steamboat Willie, the first appearance of Mickey Mouse, is finally in the public domain. So if you want to make a derivative work, it has to be very specifically the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse, though. He can't have gloves. He can't have shorts. He probably can't even be on land. They'll sue you. <laughs> he can still sue you for everything related. But... That is pretty cool. Other stuff in the public domain, couple plays I want to point out. The front page, uh, which is the basis of His Girl Friday, and a couple versions of the front page. Three Penny Opera and Peter Pan, the stage play, which is largely what you think of when you think of Peter Pan. There's a lot of stuff in the stories that usually doesn't get translated into movies or the Peter Pan stuff. That one, even though it's in the public domain, it's probably likely people are still going to pay for it because the rights holder are the Great Ormond Street hospital which is britain's premier children's hospital it was given to them to support them uh, by jm barry and his will so yeah it's not like the conan doyle estate with sherlock stuff <laughs> where it's like ah these are some assholes you still want to kick some money to the kids hospital you know but for films first of all we have something turning 95 years old actually this week vertov's man with a movie camera which is often one of the first things they make you watch in film class and you really start to separate the wheat from the chaff immediately of who can watch this and who just goes, this is boring and dumb. It is an experimental Soviet silent film 
but it's also really trippy and cool and weird, and you should totally watch it. And it's short. It's on YouTube. Uh, I believe it's been in public domain for a while, so get educated. Come on. Man with the Movie Camera is, is really good. I, I enjoy it. But then stuff that is into the public domain, bunch of good stuff. If Again, if it's not free on YouTube already, it will be, like, right now. Or we'll finally get some really good box sets of these guys coming out. Buster Keaton's The Cameraman, which is really, really good. <laughs> it's one, it's not his greatest work. I mean, I would put it top five, though. And uh, it's really funny because it's about, like, a crime scene photographer. And everything goes wrong. And <laughs> there's dead bodies and monkeys and shenanigans afoot. And then The Last Command, which is the first winner of the Best Acting Oscar for Emily Yannings. It's about a, like, Russian noble who is now destitute. And he's in Hollywood and he gets hired as an extra for this movie about the Russian Revolution. And then you have a whole flashback about what his life was like. And in the end, reality and the flashback kind of meld. It's really good. Then also The Crowd by King Vidor, which I think might have won Best Director the first one. Um, which is kind of a melodrama. It's one of those I finally watched it and I was like expecting to be bored and, and I was wrapped the whole time. Plus uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Circus, which just a good time. What is a tramp he's there he's in the circus he's gonna fall down he's gonna get confused it's it's adorable uh, it's one of the ones that's more just straight comedy and there isn't like the touchy-feely stuff of a city lights uh, sort of thing so kids would probably love it and then my big recommend though i want to see a movie about the making of this movie the passion of joan of arc by carl theodore dreyer <clears throat> starring i believe she's just billed us falconetti but it is this French silent film about Joan of Arc that is stunningly beautiful and has an incredible performance from Falconetti mystery name um, where it's just it's really moving <laughs> it's another one he's like well I hear this is good but a lot of silent film doesn't hold up for modern audiences and and I thought it was just it, it, it like I, uh, I can't even explain it. Where it, it, it was so moving, and like you really feel what you know Joan of Arc is thinking about, and and it's very impressionistic, but also has a little bit of that German expressionism, but not too much. But it was absolutely beautiful, and it was considered lost for decades. Where people heard, oh, this is so beautiful, but where is it? And they found a copy of it in like the janitor's closet at a mental hospital in like Denmark. It's one of the craziest stories of a, of a movie being rediscovered and it was in terrible condition and they cleaned it up and now it looks gorgeous. So I saw it on Blu-ray and it just, it just kicked my ass. I was just like, wow, I, <laughs> I, I'm getting that religious feeling, not necessarily like, well, now I want to be Catholic and fight for the King of France. It was more just like, it's such a powerful story of just a woman who, she believes what she believes and everything is aligned against her and she knows she's going to die and she is going to it with uh, incredible grace and power. So, yeah, the, the Passion of Joan of Arc, one of the literally one of the best movies I have ever seen, period. But if you need a silent film that shows you what silent films can do, this is the one. And now it's in public domain, so it should be free everywhere. Yay. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Would have followed you 
Coming into 2014 for the first-ish time with Say Something uh, by a great big world featuring Christina Aguilera. Will it shock you to know that I've never heard of a great big world? Is this the Wiggles? What kind of band name is that? Uh, the Big Comfy Couch featuring Christina Aguilera. Uh, new releases, music, uh, January 5th through the 11th. Have I been getting that wrong the whole episode? Great. Uh, Plagues of Babylon by Iced Earth. My Own Lane by Kid Ink. Wig Out at the Jag Bags by uh, Stephen Malkmus. And uh, the and Post-Tropical by James Vincent Morrow. The Monster by Eminem featuring Rihanna is still number one. Uh, what? First known interstellar meteor hits Earth. Oh, yeah. you're talking about Cenos? So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what this is called. We have a ton of meteors that hit Earth. Yeah. They're almost all from our solar system. You know, it makes sense. That's where most oh. of our matter is. This is the first one we've got where it's like, no, that is not from Sol. That is from, you know, hundreds of millions of light years, 10 light years. We don't know. We just know, nope, not not a soul thing. You know, how, how do they know that exactly? It doesn't have a passport. Weirdly <laughs> shaped. And this is where you get the alien people. They're like, uh, obviously this is aliens. And, you know, it basically it looks like a long cylinder in a way that most or all soul asteroids do not look like. Mm. And there's theories, you know, well, it's been traveling for literally uh billions of years uh, that's how it got when you go interstellar travel but we don't know for sure because mm. we mean, don't have a lot to go on because space is big y'all really 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 big <laughs> i know the sun is like big but the distance between the sun and another sun is like quadrillions of suns yes i never really thought of that that yeah most of the asteroids are you know from our solar system and that they're kind of round because they're orbiting around the sun Yes. Huh. And the, okay. I it's clearly from Krypton, so I'm not too worried yeah. about right. it. And uh, if there was a baby inside, somebody should check. Uh, let's get into the movies of 2014, 5th of January through 11th. The Railway Man with Colin Firth, Nicole Kidman, Stellan Starsgard, Jeremy Irvine, and uh, Hiroyuki Sanada. Worst superhero movie ever. The Railway Man. <laughs> oh, I've not seen it. Yeah, uh, you're going to feel bad when you hear what it's about. It's about a guy who was in a Japanese POW camp and being forced to build the railway through the jungle, and they're all getting tortured horribly. And then, you know, years later, uh, Colin Firth goes back and confronts the guy who was torturing him and tortures him back. Wow. It's based on a true story. Wow, okay. They Colin Firth met the real guy who was 91 at the time. Yeah. Uh and I feel bad. I didn't get to it. Uh, this sounds very interesting about, yeah. How do you deal with your past trauma and come to some sort of closure feels like the wrong word, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the reviews are pretty good. So, uh, I, I feel like a jerk. I didn't watch it, but it had a lot of other stuff. I was in the theaters watching the next movie. Uh, yeah. Justin Timberlake, F. Murray Abraham, Garrett Hedlund, uh, John Goodman, Carrie Mulligan, and kind of a, Big Oscar Isaac role here inside Lon Davis. 
From Academy Award winners Joel and Ethan Cohen, the creators of No Country for Old Men and True Grit. Old singer with a cat. Is that part of your act? Every time you play a C major, you puke a hairball? Comes a film that is heartfelt and utterly enthralling. A perfectly pitched masterpiece. The best film of the year. Do you ever think about the future at all? You mean like flying cars? Inside Lewin Davis in cinemas January 24. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hard to describe what's so fun about this movie. Fun little, uh, what do you call it? Uh, following a scene. A scene mm. of folk music. Uh, it's, it's a period piece. But it also is set up like Oh Brother, where he meets different characters every 10 minutes uh, across this journey. Yeah. And um, he's also kind of a selfish piece of crap. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He hasn't figured out anything about his life and i latter coen brothers movies all get so much better on the second watch yeah i enjoyed this the first watch but it it does feel very shapeless he's just sort of wandering around Mm -hmm. couch surfing doing this doing that whatever and screwing up and yeah being a screw up and then the second watch it all clicks so much stronger and yeah i it's i mean Definitely top ten Coen Brothers movie for me, maybe top five. It, wow, really? It's like it's and that is tough. That is tough for yeah. me, man. <laughs> but it depends on what or, I just watch for the show. Usually, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just so interesting, and I mean, it is kind of based on a real guy, Dave Van Runk, who was like the whole point of this thing is that he's trying so hard in folk music, and no one is paying attention. And it's right before folk music becomes huge. Mm. But he has no way of knowing that. So he's just grinding away because he's just a little bit ahead of the curve. Mm. And if he, it, it is sort of like, well, if he just kept going a little bit longer, maybe it would take off for him. But it's like he can't. He has no money. He has no home. He's got a cat that he accidentally let out of people's apartment. They let him stay there because they're cool. But they're like, he is kind of a fuck up. Well, obviously, this got me thinking of Coen Brothers movies, and it should be nothing less than a scandal that has been six years, the longest period ever, without a Coen Brothers movie before Blood Simple, since the <laughs> since the Coen Brothers have been around. Six years, and they've been yeah. making movies separately, which mm-hmm. is like, they're... they're, they're not talky people. I don't think they have a commentary, they don't do many interviews... What's going on with the Coen brothers? And why aren't we more pissed about it? <laughs> I don't know. Because I guess we'll, when Drive Away Dolls comes out, we'll, we'll see how that's going. This is, there's Hail Caesar after this. And then I love Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but that was also yeah. like, holy shit, a streaming service said, here's some money, Coen brothers. Do whatever you want. What? Why haven't we seen more of that? They're always working on stuff. And that... Uh, no, the, the Hail Caesar's the last theatrically released one, but uh, yeah. it still feels like it's been an eternity. 2016, that's eight years ago. Unbelievable. I love the Coen brothers. But let's move on, because we have a lot of movies to talk about. Um, yeah. let's, such... So I, I think Lewin Davis is definitely one of the best movies oh, yeah. of the year. I think this next one is one of the best movies of the decade. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. Well, this was shortlisted. When we talked about best movies of the 2010s, this was... I think the last one before my list started. This was really high up. All right. I think it that keeps this movie... getting higher every year because of what's happened in the world. Mm. Yeah, I think it was pres- prescient, prescient. Yeah. when it yeah. came out. It was very 
looking at the future and I kind of like expected to be at the beginning level of this movie 10 years from now, but we're already there and it's been advancing so fast that I... We'll talk about it. It's so hard to believe it's 10 years old, actually. Amy Adams, Scarlett Johansson, and Joaquin Phoenix in her did the Arrested Development version of the saying. Welcome to the first artificially intelligent operating system. Hi. Hi. I'm Samantha. I want to learn everything about everything. I love the way you look at the world. I feel like I can be anything with you. Me too. feel real to me, Samantha. Her. Read it or. So I forward this to Chris and Diana. There's this person who's created a master personal document about themselves, all the major important facts about their life. And they upload this to ChatGPT and they only have personal conversations with ChatGPT where it references that master document as well as every other personal conversation they have and they attached it up to a synthetic voice system so that you can just talk to chat gdp and chat gdp can talk back to you and if you really want to and i don't think this is ethical you could clone scarlett johansson's voice and have it talk Mm. to you in the voice of her so the very earlier part of this movie before her becomes significantly more intelligent we are there right now you can absolutely have a machine fake a pretty deep emotional relationship with you. I, I think there was that viral piece where like they, they created an AI and it immediately fell in love with like the person that was interviewing. <laughs> it tried to get it to leave <laughs> his wife uh, and everything. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, I don't think that this is uh, prescient because it's, it's about, you know, a future where we have relationships with AI. I think it is, prescient because it is about the breakdown of humans being able to interact with each other yeah male loneliness maybe walking phoenix works at a company where they write heartfelt letters for other people it's true and he's getting a divorce and and he's a miserable lonely person and so he gets this this new ai that was voiced by scarlett johansson and he completely falls in love with her and and they have a wonderful relationship but how real is it? Oh, well, this is very e- easy. All we have to do is answer how does consciousness arise? We know right. why consciousness arrives. It's evolutionary advantageous. But how does electricity passing through mostly fatty cells in your brain create your qualia, your experience of experience? Once we answer that question, and it's only called the hard question. Seriously, it's called the hard question in science. You know, physics, uh, biochemistry, uh, economics. No, the hard question is how think. (laughs) (laughs) How am I? Yeah. And just, yeah. So, I mean, it takes place in the the near future. And I love that it has these little near future touches where they're. Their fashion is a little bit different. That video game video games. Woo. That video game was fucking great. Mm-hmm. And also, there is a solid mass transportation system in Los Angeles. Oh, oh can you believe uh, it? That, so twenty ninety nine. then, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I do like it's the recognizable future. But to be fair, you know, if I'm if two thousand four me is teleported to like a street in two thousand twenty four, 
I would be disappointed in how little has changed. <laughs> I'd be like, well, everyone's looking at their mini comps, mm -hmm. your mini computers. But other than that, y'all look pretty damn similar. Con con conversely, I don't see anybody using Alexas anymore. And this came about at a time oh, when people okay. were. That, that, I think a lot of people do. I, I saw a fun, I think it was a tweet that was reposted on Blue Sky because I'm not on Twitter, mm -hmm. of an elementary school teacher saying, you oh, know. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm used to occasionally getting called mommy by accident, but a student called me Alexa yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I, I should say that's totally possible because, uh, yeah, my friends who do use it have a dog named Alexa and say Echo, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No a AI assistance. You know Siri on your phone or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 And the idea that this would continue to develop at, in such a human way that you know she becomes the perfect girlfriend for him. She she wants to learn and adventure and do do fun stuff. And I love that. Yeah. They have a sex scene and the next morning is awkward. That was adorable. And the idea that there'd be other people who'd want to be part of someone else's relationship to be a surrogate because people can't connect because this is a divorce movie everybody <laughs> yeah because because spike jones and sophia coppola both made movies about their divorces and they both have scarlett johansson in them. <laughs> joint custody <laughs> uh, yes but they're both good movies and this is a really really solid examination of how do we connect? What do we need? Because I think you can make a strong case that at least in the beginning, the operating system is helpful for him. He is in a deep depression. It gets him out. It gets him doing things. It gets him opening up. It gets him exploring his emotions. None of those things are bad to yeah. get a person to do. And again, we are really, really close to this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I used to be very against that sort of idea of living in some sort of digital fantasy world. Uh, with the rise of the incel movement, I am now for it. We can have robot girlfriends <laughs> not soon enough. I think that is a great idea. You know what? Leave real women alone. Yeah, don't See, I, I think it's going to be actually a huge disruptor to society. Once a certain segment of the population begins to be like, well... I can put on my VR headset and have something that feels very meaningful, very real. It's going to be a huge disruptor to the mating market. Ginormous. Yes. In fact, uh, Futurama Good. explains it very clearly. Billy, do you want to walk your dog? No, thanks, Mom. I'd rather make out with my Monrobot. <laughs> Billy, do you want to get a paper route and earn some extra cash? No, thanks, Dad. I'd rather make out with my Monrobot. Mm. Billy, do you want to come over tonight? We can make out together. Gee, Mavis, your house is across the street. That's an awfully long way to go for making out. Did you notice what went wrong in that scene? <laughs> Ordinarily, Billy would work hard to make money with his paper route. Then he'd use the money to buy dinner for Mavis. Yeah, don't date robots. <laughs> the moral of the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I don't. I didn't get to rewatch this, but I watched it a couple times um, since it's been out. What, what about the ending, though? Do you think there's... I, I thought they went too far in the ending. So they wanted to touch on the singularity. The singularity is a great, cool sci-fi idea. It's the idea that once 
we make an intelligence smarter than ourselves, that intelligence can then make a intelligence smarter than itself. And that intelligence can make us smarter than itself and so on and so far until it gets to this mystical godhood level that I think is interesting sci-fi, but I don't think is necessarily the real world thing we desperately need to explore and look into. And I thought this movie was a very good examination of reasonable tech, but and they should have kept it at that level. They should have kept it. No, this is the level of emotion that this operating system can offer you. Is that going to be enough for you? What are you going to do? And I, I and I don't yeah. think you could make a movie in 2014 whose message is, yeah, date the date the virtual girl as much as you want. I do not think you could make that movie. I don't think you're going to be able to make it until the end of this decade when we actually mm-hmm. have a significant amount of people who are like. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah, see, I think that's one of the most unexpected. I I hate even talking about this because it's a spoiler. Mm-hmm. That one of the most unexpected things that happens in the movie is you realize she is so much smarter, yep. quote unquote, than the humans that she is interacting with. And when he finds out, oh, I'm not the only person you're talking to. How many other people are you having conversations with at this moment? And it's like fourteen thousand. That's what I, that's that's what I <laughs> yeah. was talking like, about. And she's giving all of this to all of them. She's uh, she has computing power so far beyond. She's petting our these people like brain. a dog, and and yeah. and one of the things, even with people who do developed relationships with you know real dolls and stuff, there still is that possessive, intimate mind thing, and. We don't even ask that of our of Siri and Alexa. Of course, it's talking to everyone. It is not ours. This is not our girlfriend. Uh, is why? Yeah, but it, it, there are some AI dating apps out there, not dating other humans, but trying to date an AI system. Really? And those do personal. Oh yeah, hundred percent, Chris. This should not surprise you. Think of what human nature is. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot about Rule Thirty Four. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they very much personalize themselves to you. They make you. While it's talking to everyone else. Yes. But your version, your subsystem has Mm -hmm. a subsystem about you because it wants you, the individual, to stay on it as long as possible. And that subsystem is separate from the system as a whole. I feel like I read a story about a like a relationship and wow. And someone was shocked to find out like my in-game girlfriend has a real spouse this times fourteen thousand. <laughs> well okay so back when i was single i met a huge percentage of my real life girlfriends online and Same. i would talk to numerous girls uh for a long time and i would maybe... talk to numerous russian bots if you've used tinder <laughs> <laughs> but this was like 15 years ago 18 years ago so there, there weren't as many bots back then these were real human beings but i only like met about 25 percent of them at most in person the rest of them i was having some deep personal connections with from my point of view nothing but text that was all that we weren't doing the video chat it was too early for that we weren't uh, uh yeah, some photos yeah but mainly it was just text and I can tell you that I personally got emotional cathartic from some of those conversations. And so I'm just projecting, no, that, you know. You're right. I, 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 I told you guys off, Mike. I was talking to someone on going real well. Person just ghosted me one day, went away. And I, I had a surprising amount of faith in that. And then months later, she reappeared going great. Never met this person in person. 
disappeared again and and mm-hmm. mu- like not months but weeks of intimacy just is lost into the right. <laughs> into the internet it's just gone so so now picture that same level of intimacy from s- an entity yeah. a program an ai whatever you want to call it that will never ghost you yeah. that will always be around for you that is mm-hmm. always ready to give you that level of care let's call and it and asks for nothing in return you don't have to offer her it whatever you want to call it you don't have to support her you don't have to hear how her day was Although some of them program themselves that you do have to do that. Well, that's good. I'd see what, uh, maybe you can train some people to learn. I see where this is going. Look, I just, yes, please bring the robot girlfriends so every horrible man can have a bang made, stay in their house, <laughs> not bother people. The other 50% of humanity who have human emotions and know how to deal with other people will just be in charge of things. And it's, oh, it's fine. Okay. We'll just warehouse the weirdos. <laughs> But do you think that's going to be a 50-50 split? Do you think 50% of women are going to get the bang bots and 50% of men are going to get the bang bots? Because if it's like, uh, call it 60% of men and 30% Mm -hmm. of women, that Mm -hmm. is going to greatly skew the dating power to the men. Right. Probably the population. Because their supply and demand comes Mm -hmm. into play in the mating market, 100%. And you can see this in populations that do have real-life gender disratios. Power goes to whichever has the most, uh, has the highest supply-demand ratio. Mm -hmm. I'm not the smart... Well, I'm hoping at the same time we will have some sort of, honestly, let's just do social credit score while we're at it so we can all let each other know. This guy actually wants a robot girlfriend. He's just weird. One meow meow bean for a Don't trust that one. Don't trust that one. Yeesh. I think what JR... This guy's a cheater. He sucks. Avoid him. Yeah. I think what JR is saying... the ability to talk to people. I think what you're saying here, and this is a very smart person speaking, is that if I Uh keep banging humans... My odds only increase getting late. Like, well, that's only if a significant part of your gender who wants women removes itself from the dating market for some reason. Cis white straight, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah, we're one of the biggest. Or (laughs) yes, your worth goes up as your supply goes down. That's how it works. You love to hear it. Yeah, just love to hear it. I just but, want the terrible men to go away and I'll give them whatever they want, except for actual humans. We should not be assigning people terrible. We should not be assigning girlfriends to people, but AI girlfriends, they don't think women are human anyway, so they're not going to know the difference. Are you I just want to have a threesome in my 60s. I'm- Okay. <laughs> go to Thailand. That's fair. That's fair. No, go to retirement communities, like you're saying about the, oh, the right. men versus women mm-hmm. ratio. Yeah. If if you're a dude and you can make it to eighty at a retirement community, yeah. you're gonna get <laughs> all the old pussy you want. This is interesting. All right. I'm gonna start thinking about this. Yes. I'm closer to the retirement home than I am to high school, so Anyway, well, that was a weird diversion, but uh, her. But it's what this film brings up. It's a great film. It brings up, it is far more relevant today. It's going to be even more relevant in five years. And I'm looking for the real life stories that movies are going to tell about this exact scenario, except for the uh, super, super duper sci-fi, super intelligent aspects in uh, in the next five to 10 years. I think we're going to see it. Oh, I have an idea already. We're going to combine this with Robot and Frank, and it's going to be about a guy who falls in love with this uh, AI robot uh, voice, and then it helps him rob a bank. 
<laughs> it convinces him, you have to rob this bank for me to show me you love me. But you're AI. You need to show me you love me. I can go talk to 14,000 other people. <laughs> all right. Rob the mainframe and wipe out all the other AIs. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, can't believe we have so many movies to still talk about. Yeah. I don't know anything about this one. I saw one movie about Osage County uh, recently, and it wasn't this one. Uh, yeah, it was timely. Timely. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Juliet Lewis, Dermot Mulroney, Julian Nicholson, uh, Ewan McGregor, again, Abigail Breslin, Chris Cooper, Margot Martindale, and Meryl Streep, Julie Roberts in August, Osage County. Hey, Mom. I'm here. Your father disappeared. This is a complex mother-daughter story. Every family has its secrets. He walked out this door. Maybe he needed some time away from you. Oh, that's nice of you to say. None as wickedly hilarious as these. Mom smuggled a bottle of Darvacet in her... <laughs> You want to search me? No. Audiences see in this story their own family. It couldn't be this bad. Eat the fish. Are we breaking things now? August Osage County, rated R. I can't believe they're marketing this as a comedy. Yeah. Because it kind of is not. Uh, you can see it as a very dark comedy, or you could see it as a movie called Mom Fucked Us All Up. Because <laughs> uh. that's what it's about. It's... From the Pulitzer and Tony winning uh, play by Tracy Letts, who must be very in favor of pronouns because Tracy Letts is a dude. That's why you should put your pronouns in things because you might be a guy named Tracy. <laughs> so there. Anyway. Um, yeah. And it's kind of your typical melodrama stagey setup of dad's disappeared. All the kids got to get something's happened. So all the kids got to get together in the, in their childhood home and everybody's baggage comes out. Someone's going to find out someone's not the real daddy. Someone's going to find out their husband's having an affair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's good. I can't complain. I almost didn't want to put all these names in there because the people keep showing up and you're like, holy shit, you're in this too? Okay. Uh, yeah, everyone's really good. It's, yeah, mom's a piece of work. Meryl Streep is, at first I thought she was being very stagey and then I realized, oh, no, I think I've run into people who act like her, so... That's fair, but it is sort of, you know, awards bait. Everyone's acting big and crazy. Uh, there is a fun scene where never thought I'd see Julia Roberts yell at M Meryl Streep, eat the fucking fish, you bitch. <laughs> okay, I kind of needed that in my life. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. It's uh, good. Jesus it's Christ. Melodrama. Yeah. I think we're going to veer from fine a bit with Liam McIntyre, Scott Adkins. Oh. Kellen Lutz in The Legend of Hercules. Oh, God. I will not rest until Greece is mine. Hercules, deliver us from this curse. On January 10th. Tonight, we fight for our kingdom. Discover the untold story behind the legend. You are the son of Zeus. You will discover powers that you never imagined. Legend of Hercules. In 2D and 3D, January... You, you see, kids, being public domain is not a license to print money. Hercules, <laughs> the first of two we'll be getting in the next six months. I yeah. noped out after a half an hour. This is oh, such yeah. leftover, rewarmed three times, 300 crap that it's just like, you're not doing interesting. You're not doing anything new. You're not doing anything good. Yep. You know, you're just there. 
This is one of the worst reviewed films of the year. And I'm usually going to say this for the 1994 segment. This is worse than Cabin Boy. (laughs) Cabin Boy is much better than The Legend of Hercules. Yeah, I actually think that's pretty fair. Um, I basically went to the middle of it and was like, you got five minutes to get me interested. Then I'll start from the beginning. And like, nope. Yeah, Rennie Harlan went to movie jail and he's never coming back. Yeah, director of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street. Four, the Dream Master. And it's sad because he is a very good action director. Yeah, man. I mean, we talked about freaking Cliffhanger. Very good long action kiss, director. Long Kiss Goodnight, did he do that? Uh, yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, Die Hard ass. 2, fucking great yeah. movie. Also yeah, a Christmas he, movie, assholes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he went to movie jail because he made one of the biggest bombs of all time, Cutthroat Island. And uh, he's never been back. But because he's a good action director, I was expecting at least the action to look good. No. This has some of the cheapest, worst, weirdest, most embarrassing CG. It, so much of it looked like a PlayStation 2 game. And I was like, oh, no. It's it's usually oh, no. practical effects people. It's it's pretty compatible with CG. They can see the same. It's just a tool. But obviously, for some people as gifted as Rennie Harlan is, maybe it can't translate to the digital age. Because th- this dude, mu- great music video director, bombastic as shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wish the best for Rennie Harlan. Um, yeah. Too bad about that. But hey, see, I love we talked about how we dip into things because, like, I already know I'm not going to be interested. I decided to clear the room for a movie I was the least interested in for at least a decade because this is basically the beginning of like the Bergverse, uh, <laughs> Wahlberg and Peterberg, uh, Eric Bana, Emil Hirsch, Ben Foster, Taylor Kitsch. Uh, and Mark Wahlberg. It's number one this week. Lone Survivor. The objective of this mission is capturing Mod Shaw. You see this? It's a lot more than 10 guys. We're going to get into a pretty good gunfight. Let's run and We're all shot, bro. Can you fight? I can fight. I can fight. Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. I went out of my way to check this out. It's on Netflix because I never, ever wanted to see it. Uh, like we were talking about earlier with military movies, it's way more fun for me if I can reflect on something that's done and over and there isn't any political charge behind it and doesn't feel propagandist. Well, I don't know what happened to little Peter Berg for one of my favorite horror movies, Shocker. This became the thing that he did uh, mm-hmm. after making his debut film Very Bad Things, which I loved. A very sadistic comedy. He makes Desert Storm movies exclusively and exclusively with Mark Wahlberg. This is the first of five. Yeah. His last five movies have all been with Mark Wahlberg. Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, Mile 22, and Spencer Confidential. And I call this, um, it's something I think you people, and I'm wagging, wagging my finger at my co-hosts, the big city folks here, you might not know about because I call these Walmart movies. There are like 10 of these <laughs> movies released a week. And I think part of the reason Berg leaned into this, cheap as shit to make, make them really quick, make a shitload of money. This is not an expensive looking film <laughs> at all. No, no, this is made on a real budget, $40 million yeah. for an action film. That's, that's pretty good. Competent action film. It's just like, I just can't get past the politics of like, these sides are not equal and you're at risk because you, yeah. you're there. Well, I know I we're that- all soldiers and of being commanded by people who don't make the decisions we can't, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I think that 
I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that this movie has zero politics. And that's what's mm. frustrating because it's about it's based on a true story. And it's about uh, Navy SEALs going in on uh, a raid to uh, capture a Taliban guy and they uh, get surrounded, outnumbered. And then there's a horrible fight. I mean, the, the I, clearest I it was thing, a, a, it is trying to be Black Hawk Down. I thought it was clear. a great scene. They they missions going well. They get stumbled upon by like just farm folk. And it's like a uh, dude's got a walkie talkie. He's got a war face. These are, they're just going to go back and tell all of those Taliban people where we are. And they give themselves three options in debate whether to shoot these kids and this old man in the head. It's a great scene. And a, 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 what warfare like this usually looks like decisions nobody wants to make that need to be made in the moment. And they go with the, uh, you know, one you can make a mo- real life movie out of. They don't kill the kids and they end up in an ensuing firefight that lasts for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And that made me nervous of like, oh, so this is a, they're all bad guys. You should just always kill them mm-hmm. kind of movie. And then it turns out, well, and then at the end, he's discovered by a random guy and he's kind of got the same situation. It's like, no, the random guys like helps him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you want a larger political point, it's hard to fight insurgents on their native territory because yeah. you never know who is actually with them, ever. Why would they be on your side, Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. As opposed to their own their indigenous fellow people. Right. Um, it's like, but there is no point of like, we shouldn't be in Afghanistan right, right. or we should be in Afghanistan. Mostly I just got out of it, wow, firefights fucking suck. Which, I would not want to be in a war. I only had written Where's down that? like... All the war films I grew up in, from like Three Kings to Platoon, are very questioning of the 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 political existential reasons of why we're here and what we're doing. It, I watched World well, War II, like John Wayne World War II movies, for this kind of vibe. I'm just not used to a modern movie with this kind of vibe. Like there there is yeah. no gray. There's good and bad. I mean, mm-hmm. World War II, we the U.S. Mm-hmm. burned alive millions of women and children. And we were the good guys. Yeah. So I think the uh, the moral stance of World War Two, we and I'm not being facetious there. We were 100 percent the good guys in World War Two, and it wasn't even close. Uh, but the more you get to the modern day, you're fighting against such a more nebulous foe, mm-hmm. and that's not as cinematic as we the good guys are here. Yeah. Them the bad guys are right over that line. Let's us, the good guys, go kill the bad guys over this line, and we keep moving that line forward. And once the line is forward enough, we win. And that's what happened basically in World War II. We kept moving the line forward, killing the bad guys, and we won. And Japan and Germany are both highly democratic, highly rule of law, highly good human rights states today. Well, I'm, I'm not going to stand by contrast. We moved the line forward in about 30 days, and then we were fighting within that line against, to be clear, horrible people, just garbage human beings who deserve to lose. But they won, and we lost because that's how history is. Well, I guys wasn't talking about win. historical uh, morality of it. It's just that, like, at the time, this is still this is still kind of ongoing, and it just it just feels too modern for me to like. To totally hero uh, heroify is there a better word there? I used to be good at this. Uh, Patriotic. This is Republican propaganda. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. It's competent. It's well made. It's it's a gr- it's a pretty great action movie. I don't want to dig into this world 
for any reason outside of work. I think it does a, a disservice to who people should vote for and why, because that a lot of that wasn't a good idea. And yeah, I that's tough. I think it's probably like I'll give it a light recommend. I sure. think just because it was very well done. You know, it is it is exciting and actiony, but also uh, terrifying. And I don't want to go to there. But does <laughs> there's always that trap of like, can you make an anti-war war movie? Because war always looks cool to some people, yeah. no matter what. And this is Including made to Mackie look Mackie. very, very cool and yeah. very, very black and white. And it's, it, you know, there, I, I want there to be a place for that in my movie brain. I just really, this isn't for me. And I don't hate this movie. I just, it, I find it hard to recommend or want to go back and watch. Because uh, yeah. it's so modern. It's in a yeah. modern political context and you, there's no avoiding thinking about it. You can't just turn off your brain and be like, and those are good guys and those are yeah, bad guys. That was it, like only for JR, like it's so easy for me to disconnect my brain to any modern connection to World War II that I can just kind of like, Nazi bad, John Wayne oh. good. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have, it, it doesn't, I know that's not the case, but it, it's easier for me to shut that part of my brain off where it's not that easy for lone survivor and i'm only saying this so much not so you see how fucking thoughtful i am but why it's hard for me to enjoy a good movie like lone survivor because the only people who recommend it to me are people who i meet in like a lake beach uh kind of situation yeah you don't you don't have a lake beach do you diana uh <laughs> nope not, not beach dog i i this is not a stereotype i am aware of uh people i meet by the boat ramp um that kind of thing okay that kind of thing are they jet ski people uh they might be not though okay i understand a little better now they might, All right. but yeah. not the one not what i saw lone survivor yeah it, it's good but you know <laughs> it might be bad for your brain anybody else on lone survivor on netflix all right we'll finally move on to tv start wrapping this show a little bit Landing gears down, and it's TV time, the 5th of January to the to 11th of 2014, 10 years ago, the fourth season premiere of Downtown Abbey, as it's pronounced, uh, it, and it makes history as PBS is, uh, Jesus, more than 10, point, 10 million people tuning oh, in. I think this is, oh, this is the debut on the U, in the U.S. Okay, in the U.S. Like, on PBS. To, I, 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 got it. I was I like, wanted wait, to, I thought that was in the fall. Nope, in the U.K. it was, you bastards. Yep. So I did want to point out how huge Downton Abbey was in the U.S. I mean, so many TV shows would give their left nut to get 10 million viewers. Yeah. And this is it on PBS. Yeah. Yeah. And Nothing th- has topped it since then. Nothing topped it before then. This is it. Well, that's peak uh, Downton Abbey. That's the um, one it, it, like Breaking Bad saw something similar because it had a season that, you know, a lot of people didn't watch hits Netflix second season jumps by like 6 billion percent. I think downtown Abbey as it's called benefited from that. Cause it hit Netflix and like it was able to like get people in theaters to see episodes of it. And uh, what it reminded me of is like, I broke some barrier. I think I mentioned it watching doctor who with my lady friend, that BBC to PBS period. I can't believe how long ago that existed that a show would air in a different country that has the internet and social media and you just hope they don't spoil something for seven months to a year. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, how did, yeah. How did people avoid downtown, downtown Abbey spoilers? Damn it. I said it right. Um, given how long did it air in the BBC? Like at least six months ago, something like that. Uh, 
Yeah, this uh, September. It aired in September. Okay, so that's not, in, the, in the, the gap is closing, but I'm just like, that gap is closed now. You cannot do yeah. that anymore. No, and no, it's it's all streaming. It's all worldwide release. Same my, my lady friend talking about like reading Doctor Who spoilers and like, we can't even steal this yet. This is so cruel. <laughs> Why do this to us? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. The and, 30 2010 of 2053 is going to have such an easy job because everything's going to have an exact date it came out worldwide. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, also Chicago PD premieres, which I only recently discovered on a promo on Peacock. That's part of the Chicago universe, is it? Mm hmm. There's a fire and hospital, sh- like three different yep. shows that probably should be the same show. But it's also the same show as a billion other shows for people who like over-the-air television. Guess how many episodes? How many? Uh, 208. Wow. Oh, gosh. Have I watched a single one? No. No. And Chicago Fire, Mm -hmm. Chicago PD, and Chicago Med all told 623 episodes. Wow. So if you want to, like know every aspect of the Chicago universe. <laughs> That's two episodes a day for a year. Yeah. If you if you're like me and you miss Dennis Farina's accent, yeah, this could be your this could be yourself. Uh yeah, and then let's move on to the games of 2014. I didn't know there was a RoboCop game on iOS because it's 10 years from a, a pretty good RoboCop game out now. RoboCop, who knew that was gonna have that kind of video game charm uh, thir- 20 years after the fact, 30 years after the fact, after we sort of called it a dead franchise. No, we what do we call it? One of those movies with one good movie and then a bad trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> There's only been one mm-hmm. great RoboCop media. I, I haven't played the most recent video game, but I hear it's good, but yeah. not great. But, there, but RoboCop 1 is undeniably great. Every other thing in the RoboCop franchise, movies... TV, games, comics range from spectacular to that was good enough. It's it's just crazy. RoboCop may have a better legacy in games as we move forward because the game did pretty well sales and critically, whereas none of the movies have. Anyway, moving on. Last game, Chibi Robo, Chibi Robo Photo Finder for 3DS. One of those things that makes me wonder. A lot of those 3DS games, because of the nature of their camera and their mm-hmm. accelerometers and their touchscreen, are unportable. They, you cannot bring them on two screens, <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah, I feel like geeks will find a way. Oh, no, emulators Whatever will find it is. a way. Yeah. Always. Oh, they have found... Yeah. It's a great 3DS emulator. I use it all the time. <laughs> it's just more about <laughs> okay. like official re-releases and... and what do you call that? Doing the kind of uh, upkeep on a game to keep it in people's memories. And not that Chibi Robo is chief among the games I'm thinking of here, but if I keep seeing Switch 2 uh, leaks of the second Switch console where it might have two screens, and it makes me wonder if 3DS games have a life uh, yet, to let, yet to live. I've heard those leaks too. I mean... Never bet that Nintendo is going to do anything except what you don't expect. Yeah. yeah. What did you want them <laughs> to do, 4K? A, don't expect it. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. They don't care about that. But you want a double flip thing? You know, like <laughs> bubble, double 
flip screen, mm-hmm. like those flippable phones, I could see them going that route because they're Nintendo and they do weird stuff all the time. Yep, yep, yep. Could happen. And uh, yes, it, this this game, I just knew it used the 3DS camera and like... Where could you put this other than any phone? But Nintendo won't do that. And that's about it for the show. I, we're going to tell you who died during this period in a fun little quiz you can play along with about who was born. But uh, this is the plug part where I tell you to go to patreon.com slash lasers. I've got a brand new episode about Godzilla minus one. Critically and financially, one the best performing Godzilla movie in America <laughs> that there that has ever existed. And that's not that's not my opinion. That's just <laughs> what's happening. And it, how we talk about in this show, how things like this might save movie theaters or at least bring people back to them. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, a bunch of VGA stuff there. VGA is coming back this week. I think we're talking about our most anticipated games of the year that is about to come. Bracing ourselves for all the warm, the warmth and beauty that's about to come from 2024. And I'm saying things I don't believe. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the blue sky at Nerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Coming up next week, we have a Jack Ryan movie everyone forgot existed. Mm. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kevin Hart's going to ride along with Ice Cube. Ah. Um, <gasps> let's see. Philip Seymour Hoffman is going to steal a movie from Ben Stiller so hard that it's the only thing anyone remembers from it. Mm. And... Hollywood's first film about the AIDS crisis. Okay. They also, their last one for 20 ass years. Jesus Christ. Wow. It's a film that me, makes me feel bruised and battered, and I couldn't tell what I felt. I was unrecognizable to myself. <laughs> yep. Here it is, folks. You knew it was coming. Yeah. And on that cheerful note, <laughs> we're also going to talk about how Mega Man goes to the X. No, not Twitter. Yes. We'll talk about the most forgotten Fallout game. Mm. Ooh, there aren't that Man. many Fallout games. How is one forgotten? There's a bunch for PC. But this is completely forgotten. Yeah. I guarantee right. you. All right. And Norse mythology meets a very intriguing video game narrative. Ah. Mm. Ah. 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 Uh, Boy, uh, and then we can move on to the burst with the what, Jr. The b- no, b- b- that's first. Well, oh, oh, sorry, death, sorry. Yes, that's before birth. Oh, yeah, death. Uh, oh, one of these is a bummer. In 2004, we lost Spalding Gray, who was 62. Uh, he jumped off a bridge and took his own life because yeah. he was very depressed. Which just this man made his living through monologuing and talking about his experiences and his feelings. And yet he wouldn't go to a therapist and monologue at the therapist. Please get help. If you're feeling depressed, please do. It's a depressing time. Always will be, but now, especially (laughs) it kind of sucks. So yeah, Spalding gray. I mean, most known for uh, swimming to Cambodia, that sort of thing. Also acted in some stuff. Uh, Yeah. And then in 2014, we lost Ariel Sharon, who was 85. Fuck you, Ariel Sharon. He had been in a coma for eight years, he was the former prime minister of Israel who drove them into that hard right pro-settler stance that they are now fighting a war over. Mm-hmm. But he had a stroke and he was in a coma and he finally croaked and screw you, buddy. My least favorite mermaid, Ariel. No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and with the deaths come the birthday quizzes. Okay. Turning... 75. Mm. Born in Marshall, Texas, January 10th, 
1949. He dropped out of school at the age of 15 wow. and became a mugger. Um, <laughs> they were hiring. Um, they were hiring. The, always hiring at the mugging court. I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark of someone I think is from Texas and might be 75. All right. We mentioned him in this show. Diana, can you you can, can you can guess who I'm going to guess with? Sonia Henny. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Close. No. No. Oh, he went to Harvard. I don't think he dropped out at 15. He mugged his way to Harvard. Oh, <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah. The Mugging Works Project. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at the age of 16, he had a change of heart and he uh, joined the Job Corps and earned his GED and became a carpenter and a bricklayer. Is it Han Solo? No. Damn. Carpenter, yeah. I tried. Yeah, that was a good guess. Although not primarily known as an actor, he has either voiced or acted in King of the Hill, Garfield and Friends, The Larry Sanders Show, Sanford and Son, The Six Million Dollar Man, and he had his own TV show from 1993 to 1994, which had his first name as the title. Uh, oh, wow. King of the Hill made me think Tom Petty, but I'm yeah. clearly wrong on that. Oh, gosh. 93, 94, which means we would have talked about whatever the hell this is. We did talk about this sitcom. Is it Johnny oh, Bago? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it could have been Johnny Bago. Is it? Mm, I want to say George Lopez, but this seems too early for George Lopez, 93. You are so close. First name. Oh, is it George Foreman? It. It is George Foreman. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. Nailed it. His sitcom was just called George. George. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. I can't believe I got there. Uh, yep. I never would have got there from any of say he, he had his first professional boxing match in 1969 and nice. his last in 1997. Wow. Oh. It's miraculous. Oh my God. Still alive. And yep. Kicking. I just cooked hot dogs on his grill. I right thought about getting, his show. rebuying a grill of his. Still them. very much well known for his grills. For his yep. goddamn grills and still with us. Good Lord. Happy birthday, George Foreman. Yeah, happy uh, birthday, Big George. I saw that there was finally a movie about him, um, which I think is kind of a Christian bent called Big George Foreman. But I still haven't watched it or read a review. But when I saw a trailer, I was like, finally, this I, guy's life is interesting. Because I, I haven't seen him. I hope he's well. Since he used to hawk a patent service on Adult Swim. Do you have an idea? I'm George right. Foreman. <laughs> George. Like, the George Foreman girl was not your idea. I, I, we know that. We know that in our hearts. According to Hulk Hogan, they pitched it. it to him first. But mm -hmm. Diana, JR, if you want some good wrestling fun, look up all the things Hulk Hogan has lied about. It's hilarious. <laughs> Things that couldn't have happened that never happened. It's it's amazing. Hulk Hogan is incredibly untrustworthy, especially as he reaches his 80s. <laughs> anyway, that about concludes the show. Patreon.com slash time is how you can support us, get a bunch of free shows. And uh, yeah, what we're going to close out with might be my favorite song from Inside Llewellyn Davis. Just that it you get a... a Kylo Ren and whatever Oscar Isaac's character's name is, which is totally escaping me now. Poe! Poe Dameron. Oh, I was going to say Lewin Davis? Poe po Dameron <laughs> and, uh, and Kylo Ren performing a song together 
please, Mr. President. Uh oh. Uh, it's silly as hell, and I love it. It's catchy as hell. And Justin Timberlake is in there somewhere too. <laughs> if you have, we didn't even mention him. Yes, Justin Timberlake. And, and yeah, Justin Timberlake's in this song. It's not just for no. trolls movies, but uh, we'll close out with that from Inside Llewellyn Davis. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Reading me loud and clear, roll.